Now, you might say, are we talking Sam Darnold? Yes, unfortunately we are. Later, for five minutes. But also, AJ, he's like a ghost. He's gone. Well, he had a scheduled vacation. He'll be back next week. But, hey, he's not here. So, Fez, who do you make fun of in general? The guy's not here, right? Of course, except when he could beat me up. But that's why you do it when he's not here. He might get back to him. One time I called him... <laughs> I called him a Pollyanna, and he goes, "Are you calling me a pussy?" <laughs> that, that has to be one of the funniest lines ever. <laughs> uh, but anyway, he's gone, so we're making fun of him. That's part of the show. Now, here's the. And by the way, we got a new little thing going. We're betting one NFL win total every week for the next five weeks well for the next five you get one pass we have what four ones this time and fez you went right at mckenzie's heart i did and that's when sam darnold came up so enjoy now we got a rare offer and when i say rare we don't use those words like ah it's rare no 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 this is rare fifty dollars get you a hundred dollars all right that's a bulk dollar offer and quite frankly there's no limit to how many you can get. So we welcome. You want to get 100, get you 200. 400 gets you 800. Do the math. Now, at various times throughout the year, we'll offer like 300 gets you six. But you got to commit 300 to get you six. That is a great offer in itself, but it's a big commitment. This is one of the rare times that we do at the low price of 50, you get 100. So really effectively, picks are typically about 25 dollars a piece or 25 for packages mostly so that means for 50 bucks you can get four packages but here's the beauty this money never expires you can spend it next week or next year so for those that want to cherry pick the best spots why not get half price have your money back to use when you want it fez what do you think of that well this is an outstanding deal and you may be unaware of this rj okay however i have on at times, bought picks from pregame people. Well, we know, and, that, and we love it, by the way. And Tom sets me up with a substantial discount. You know what that discount is? 50%. So you are getting the well, maximum. Hold on a second. Mackenzie, text Tom, say 40%. So with this deal, <laughs> think Pollyanna. about this. You are getting the same deal that Steve Fezzik, insider here at the company, is getting that's a great deal. I wish I got 50% off your picks when, I, when I'm trying. I was trying to get down on something. He goes, I don't have that out anymore. And, and I start <laughs> trying to respond. And he's he like, uh, just hardly respond. No. But <laughs> I agree. And, and here's the beauty of it. We talked about this topic. Do you bet a bunch of volume or do you cherry pick, find the best spots? I think, and I think it's unequivocal, it's easier to cherry pick. And to me, let's just think about it. If all you said was, I'm going to take Fez's next four games of the year. Well, wouldn't you want those for half price? And the question is, wouldn't you want those? Because if you don't, you're crazy. I'll be honest. I don't say that kind of stuff often. But I'll make one more point. Even to just avoid betting against them. Even if you weren't sure you were going to play on them, you don't want to bet against them. How good was my Boston-Philly playoff game of the year under? Game six. You know what's funny, though? I forgot to do this during the show. We actually got a note from Sue from Sioux Falls, super fan. It's right here, actually. Let me read it real quick. RJ, why was Fez trying to stop you from helping? Wait, it's hard to read this. Oh, helping other people and the listeners like me win money with your Boston plus two and a half games. Signed Sue from Sioux Falls. Fez, what was going on there? 
Yeah. <laughs> I, I mean, it was I, Miami plus two and a half. But you, yeah, you, yeah. It was yeah. like I said this. This you were there. So I said this is probably one of the more perfect bats I've ever saw. Remember, I said you got Spolstra's mm-hmm, coaching. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he gets a game. Jimmy Butler gets a game. And then it was the theory is Boston chokes a game away, and we only needed two of those to happen. And Fez goes, and why not just – Boston's a short thing to win the first game. He goes, why not then bet it then at a better price? And if they lose the first game, you know what? They're going to win the second game, and we can just <laughs> bet it before game three. Uh, uh. You know what's funny? Under your theory – there wasn't one spot to bet Miami because you said bet Miami when they're on, in a flat spot, right? Yeah. And it's like, oh, no, I'm sorry, bet against Boston when they're in a flat spot. Well, there was no flat spots because if you think about it, even when they were down 3-0, even when they won one, they were still in an elimination game. Yep. So under your theory, there wasn't one time to get a piece of Miami. Doesn't that tell you maybe that theory's wrong? Wasn't my best way. <laughs> Well, Sue really backs. Sue hates AJ. Really? Oh my! I mean, Mackenzie, how many times did Sue tax or tax in? She actually called during the live radio show back in the day. Yeah, She's trying to get on. I mean, it's she likes you, but she just wondered if you had a something weird. What? And she lives in where? Sioux Falls. Sue. Mm-hmm. She's oh, super fan. Yeah, Sue Falls. Sue from Sioux Falls. Exactly. I love that. <laughs> But I don't think Fez was trying to hurt me or all the listeners. I think he's just jealous sometimes. I mean, I would say this. I've been seeing it clear. Oh, no no doubt about it. I yes. think we should. You know, we should do something. I've been seeing it clear. That's We've both too. been seeing it clear. I think we should do something where we're forced batting like every game for the year. But like it's only about net wins between us or something. Like every NFL game. Because I think really that would be the way to find the best handicapper. Like, think about it. You know how heads up with a deep stack is the best way to find out who the best poker player is? Yeah. Because there's more decisions. What would be the best? If Let me ask you this. If you were trying to find, let's say some Bill Gates gave you a billion dollars and said, we want to make the biggest syndicate in the world. Mm-hmm. If you were trying to find the best NFL handicappers, known or not known, and they were willing to subject themselves to some trial, you know, some uh, testing, whatever, what would be the way you'd do it? Closing line value. Who can demonstrate for to me every in one game. month? For every game, show me, tell me on Monday who you like, and you can tell me Wednesday. You can tell me Friday. You can multiple times, and then a month in, I've got like you know fifteen times four. I've got sixty games, and I look at who's giving me the highest closing line value. But over a season, two hundred and seventy whatever two games or whatever it is, before the playoffs. Wouldn't four times as many actual results be better than one-fourth as many closing line? Because the theory is closing line value is less variance, and thus it can tell you in small samples more than the vagaries of wins and losses. But over longer samples, the wins and losses are more true. This will be very controversial. Uh No, the closing line value strongly, in my opinion, would be much more valuable than 270 samples. So with a sample of first of all, I don't first of all, everyone who has any voice on the internet that that, that is involved in gambling worships at the altar of closing line value. So what you're saying isn't controversial at yeah, all. Fair enough. What I'm saying is controversial. Yeah. And I don't care because I believe more than ever the closing line value is a real question how smart this money is. 
That I agree with. So maybe you know maybe both are, are horribly flawed. You know Don Schlesinger wrote a great black. But, but but after six hundred, I mean in a binomial I'm after six hundred games, I think that you got the variance covered, right? No, not even close. Okay. So so I will go. I bring in the book. It's called Blackjack Attack. Okay. And they talk about two different counters. He's right? talking to the guy with the second biggest gambling library in the country. <laughs> and, and I don't think you own this book though. I think I do. Okay, but, so so pull it up. Huh? It's like page two fifty or something. All right. So he, so Some he, page. he he has like a, a syndicate group where they have two counters and they're supposed to follow the same rules. Mm-hmm. And at the end of like literally tens of thousands mm-hmm. of blackjack mm-hmm. hands, one dude is up fifty thousand and one dude is is, is down sixty thousand. Then they explain well this. But, one, but let me ask you a question. I understand what you're saying. Yeah. But what is the what is the edge that we're talking about here? Well, this is a good point All because right. in blackjack, your average edge is right around like one to one and a half percent. Is that your average edge, or over all your all your money in play? You put a hundred thousand in play, you're making fifteen hundred. That seems very high. I mean, isn't is it that very high or very low? Very high, one and a half percent over the house. It seems very high. I mean, I'm not saying there's not certain hands that you're that, but but you're saying over every hand. Well, you're like if you're back counting shoes, you're, yeah. you're like it, it depends how good a player you are. But you're only you're like you're you're getting up on any minus counts. You're not continuing to play, or you're betting the minimum. So, yeah, but if so remember, up, it, it, I mean, it, what's the giveaway of giveaways? If you're getting up and then drinking some water and sitting back, I mean, you got it. You got to get it in, though. If you're if if you're going to be a, a very successful blackjack player, you got to find a way to get that bet variance and get like on a shoot. But you that's be why able... it's almost impossible to do that now. Well, it, right? it, it is, but that's but that's what pros do. You know, they they bet the the number. If you're trying to win betting 100 to 400 on a shoe game, don't even bother. You're not. You're you like you said. Your edge is going to be like like. A third of a percent. It's not that, worth it. And that was like the whole Wong it thing was that you had teams and thus you could come in by signal. Scott's or counting and he's got like, here comes a plus seven Fez. Come <laughs> on in. And, and I just walk in and, and, you, just and you start the betting 500 player? a hand. I'm the gorilla player. Yeah. The, <laughs> the all right. Big player. So, so I know a little bit about it. You but know I all about it. No, I don't. But I, I, I enjoy the talk, but it does seem like you're dealing with like the theory is you have an ROI at 10% with a big sports bet. That's probably too big. I mean, meaning that that's rare, but your typical ROI. That's a great point. So your typical, we'll use that 55% benchmark. So boom, you're at a 5% ROI. Over three and a half times. And to have a a 5% ROI in black take, you need a true count of plus 10 that comes along very, very rarely. And thus, the, the the variance is going to be higher in blackjack. Blackjack. So that helps explain why this massive variance in these results of guys that play. But they're playing, they're not playing 2,700, you know, or 270. They're playing 50,000 hands. What I'm proposing... That's too many. ...is that we bet on a certain line. Because remember, you had a high... We had a high variance bet you were doing, if I remember, a couple years ago, where you had to pick seven games Oh, I got creams. <laughs> I remember. So I think, creams, the, I, I think the idea of betting every... Or having to pick between us on every game for the season would be very interesting. It'd be a good discipline, too. You, you know, and one thing is, I'm, I'm boring, though, when it comes to, like, a lot of times I'm going to be like, I like minus three. And then, like, two days later, I'll be like, I like... Plus three and a half. I've forced for gun to my head, you well, know? I think what you are in that case is predictable, which I'll use to my advantage. Sure. <laughs> All right. This is going to work out. This is simple, though, if you want this. Now, again, that kind of talk, you can buy that, that expertise, and at half price. Just go to pregame.com. Hit buy picks. And in the, let's see, what area is that going to be in? It's going to be around a lot of places. Special uh, discounts. Special di- well, that makes sense. Hit special discounts. Where is that special discounts? Right up on top. Okay. I think. Special discounts, and you're going to see 50 get you 100. You can buy as many or as few as you want. Enjoy. On to the show. Whatever happens.
preview. Plus, we've got a new NFL picking contest, and it's index style. Is that the way you'd say it, Fez? That's exactly how I'd say it. I like that. I like the idea of real pain. Let's be candid. It reminds me, Steve Fezzik joins around the Wise Guy Roundtable, Scott Seidenberg, AJ in Houston. Dylan has a song, Last Time I Went to Houston. Kind of interesting. Because it's like back in the Southwest, it was like that was the big city, right? Do we know he's in Houston? He could be in Mexico City. He might be be going to various... um, Barbecue joints throughout Texas. He might be re- kind of doing that again. Oh, I'll go over under three and a half barbecue places. Yeah, he's been to every one of them, right? <laughs> that was amazing. One summer he went to, like, uh, I think there was 30 of them in the state, right? Some guys. Some people collect ballparks. Others yeah. collect barbecue joints. I, I was going to say the exact same thing. <laughs> so when you collect, you mean like the weight around your tummy? <laughs> it's a little collection I've had with me for quite a while. All right. Uh, He'll be back next week. All right, let's get to it. We're going to start with the NBA. We got the final set, and right now it is the Heat and the Nuggets. Nuggets get home court. Boston would have had home court. They didn't know where these finals were going to start until the game was over. Right now, eight and a half, nine even in some spots. The Heat are underdogs. Denver favored. For the series, we got, let's see here. Mackenzie, minus 400 plus 330. Does that seem like the market? Yeah, consensus. Okay. All right. So, Fez, if you had to, let, let's just first impressions on the series price, force bat, where do you go? Miami. Okay. What's your thinking? The market continues to value Miami like they did going into the playoffs. There's been only a modest adjustment, and I think you've got to make a more significant one. And I got to be honest, it's really the betters. It's not the bookmakers as much because, to, by example, this game one opened up while well, the series price was up at DraftKings, hypothetical, mm-hmm. and Denver was like minus three. I think I saw minus three thirty. Okay, right. and I saw lower prices as a few other books. So it's saying when they were speculating, if Miami wins and they're facing Denver, this is what we are now booking that eventual or that possibility at. Exactly right. So what's happened since Miami just played the perfect game, game mm-hmm. seven. Now the line's gone to Denver, another 70, 80 cents. And what's in. Couldn't the case be made the liquidity of that uh, prospective market was small enough that maybe we can't trust that number? Very much. But I I also think what's telling is that one of the sharpest books in the world put the opener up, Bookmaker. Mm -hmm. And I saw, I, I did not get access to this, but I saw it on the screen, five and a half. All right. Game one. Game one. Blink, it's six and a half. Blink at seven and a half. Boom, boom, boom. So the odds makers are saying, you know what? I'm going to upgrade Miami significantly. No, no, no. The betters say, nope. Miami, we don't, we, we're not buying in. We're putting them right back to where they were against Boston as a seven and a half point dog. And then the situation's bad, really bad for Miami game one. And I got bet up to eight and a half to nine. Okay. So what you're saying is we had 82 regular game, regular season games. Miami was the eighth or ninth best team in the East. Forget, you know, the whole league. They lost the first playing game. We know that to Atlanta. We know they were trailing deep into the game against... uh, Bulls. Oh, Chicago, yep. So you could say a bad six or eight minutes, they're out. out. They don't even make the playoffs. Now they're in the finals. First 
eight seed to do it in a full season. Remember the Knicks in 99? It was a tight season. I think the, diff- oh, that's a good the difference between the Knicks and the number one seed was only like four and a half games. Or yeah, something. I always argued that the Knicks weren't a true eight seed yeah. because if it was a full-length season, they were obviously better than an eight seed. I think they would yeah. have finished higher than that, and it mm-hmm. showed with their run through the playoffs. And I think it's the same thing with Miami. Miami is not a true eight seed. This- Why not, though? Because by record, yes, that it was like it didn't. It wasn't a good regular season for them, resulting in them finishing in the play-in tournament. But this was the number one seed last year, the best record in the Eastern Conference that lost to the Celtics in Game Seven of the Eastern Conference Finals, exactly where they were this season. There's no difference in the two teams. In fact, this team has just been decimated by injuries as opposed to what last season was. You know, no Tyler Hero. Uh, but know, that's been the case all the way through the playoffs, right? Sure, so and they've it, defied that. that. They've mm-hmm. actually, but but coaching's been the same. Their two stars have been the same in, in Butler and Adebayo. Now you can say Caleb Martin stepped up throughout these, well, po- these that playoffs. Not say he yes, has. He stepped up, but that takes care of the players that, were, that are missing due to injury from last year's team. I just, ne- I think we... We should have, and I say the collective we, should have given Miami more respect than just calling them an eight seed. Here's the beauty is if if you believe that to be the case, the market's telling you you have the same opportunity No, I think they wash out now because I think it's very similar to that Knicks team in 99 where the Knicks weren't a true eight seed and they showed it through the playoffs, but when they went up against a true one like the Spurs, they lost in five games. But here's the question. Fez, in your power rankings or McKenzie's, let's go to McKenzie. There's one of us here that's got 57% winners over the last two seasons. That's McKenzie Rivers, also a restaurateur. Um, I, are you a restaurateur when you have like the like the Sabaro type places or not? Any establishment can make you a restaurateur. All right. All right. No, Sabaro sucks. Come on. No, no, no. Hey. We're negotiating a sponsorship. No, I'm joking. <laughs> <laughs> no, I wouldn't. Any place E was a manager at, I'm not a part of. But any, I, I hated him, Eric. Oh, entourage. All right, Mackenzie, <laughs> what were your power ratings entering the playoffs on Boston versus Denver on a, let's say, obviously on a neutral? What's the difference? I had Celtics one and a half points better. All right. So let's say Denver's performance, I think it's valid to say the way they dispatched Phoenix, the way they blew out the Lakers and, you know, swept them. you got to say they've been upgraded more than Boston, even if Boston would have won game seven. Maybe it would have been. I think my gut feeling is game one or let's say game X. Let's forget the rest advantage in game one. So game two, whatever. I think Denver would have been four and a half, maybe. Like, uh, I think home court might have meant a little bit more in Denver. Would have been in Boston, game one. Oh, okay, good point. So I think Boston would have been... Now, again, the narrative has started about Boston not being good at home in these playoffs or last year's, but I think Boston's still four, three and a half, Yeah, I I think the perception was... I think there there was consensus here. Denver was about a half point better than Boston. But I agree with McKenzie. Before the playoffs, that wasn't the perception. Exactly. Before that, Boston was a good point and a half better than Denver. So if we agree with McKenzie and Fez... Scott, this idea that they're stepping up in class, Milwaukee certainly was power rated mm-hmm. higher than Denver. So was Boston. So in truth, Denver's the third best team they're playing in the playoffs. Yeah, I think that 
It's a this compelling is, point. It is a compelling point. I, that, but also, I guess I could. You can make the argument again. I go back to those '99 Knicks. They beat the they beat the one seed Heat in seven games, and then they got by but, the but, they got by the Pacers in what was an emotional rivalry. Kind of sim, I don't, not. I don't say Heat and Celtics a rivalry, but this is the no, same. I think they are. It's an Eastern Conference point. Finals rematch of a season ago, and and they met in the finals. What the Eastern Conference Finals in the bubble as well. Remember when LeBron was there? There was yeah. a lot of battles with those teams too. Yeah. So, so I think that it's just. Everything that it took to get through the Eastern Conference, I think now comes back to bite them in the finals. So you think the gauntlet that yes. was the Eastern Conference hurts uh, Miami? I think the path, yes, the path hurts Miami here. Well, they did get the the Knickerbockers, which was not difficult. Yeah, that's you true. Know, that's kind of like a, a chance to exhale and kind of cruise. So, well, you could also make the case when you get up three zero. Now, this is strong. I know what you're going to say. Well, see, I think it's there's two ways to look at it, right? One way could be, oh, they lost game five and they were okay. I mean, you know, yeah. it was a home game for Boston. But that game six loss, the comeback for game seven was a Herculean effort of coaching, of leadership. Whoever did it, I think that is probably draining. I, th- I think, spot on. Game six and seven were extremely all-in draining games for Miami. But prior to that, yeah. No, no big, no real, no, no real. It's, as, as contrast that with a team down 0-2 in a series where you got five straight games, you really have to win. But see, I would make another point. There is a time in life where you feel like no one knows for sure until they reach the highest level if they deserve that highest level. I mean, there is a massive concept that is very prominent called imposter syndrome, where everyone looks like I remember looking at my parents and thinking they're adults. Well, as I think now, it's like, you know, when I was, you know, let's think about this. My dad was 24. So when I was 10, he was 34. Right. So just just out of being a kid, I didn't look at him as a like, almost <laughs> a kid. Right. You know what I'm saying yeah, yeah. is. So I think we look at guys that are vice presidents of this kind and we think, oh, they're you know, they're adults. And it's like, I don't know. I, as I've gotten older and met these adults are really not. And maybe there are, I think the World War II vets and stuff that maybe they, you know, it was a different thing, but I don't know. That generation's seen a lot. Yeah. If, <laughs> if Jimmy Butler or, and a Butler again has some pretty strong confidence, but in general, I think winning this game seven being the first eight seed validates them in a way that they believe in their their selves more than they would have before that. I agree with that, and specifically with um, the um, mercurial rise of Caleb Barton, if you will. I think his confidence level, he's not exactly shying away from shots in big moments. I think the Heat do a great job of, because they got the godfather, Pat Riley, mm-hmm. there. He He's going to tell you, yeah, you, te- you are a championship team, and you're going to believe him in a way, right? And Spolstra obviously has a ton of experience now. He seems, still seems youngish, but, I mean, he's been around the block. Mackenzie, what do you see as the—when you look at the lay price for the series and the take back, what's your thoughts? Eileen Denver, even with the, with the steep price— is it steep? It seems short to me. I don't know if it's short rightfully or wrongfully, but it feels short to me. And I want to compare it to the Minnesota-Denver, which was a one versus eight. But first, let's get McKenzie's thoughts, and we'll do that after. Right. If you look at the game one line, then it is short because the Timberwolves were eight-and-a-half-point dogs. The Heat are now nine, eight-and-a-half-point dogs. and So was- that's the same thing. So I wouldn't be short. Yeah, the the game one line is the same, right? But mm-hmm. the Nuggets were minus five fifty in that first round series. They're only minus four hundred here. Minus four hundred? I thought yeah. is that what you get? Okay, yeah. plus three thirty. Okay. Um, 
I would make the case the line feels about the same because of the fact that there is the big rest disadvantage that wasn't there for Minnesota, Denver. They were on equal footing, right? Mm-hmm. So uh, Denver. Well, actually, no, because Minnesota had to do the play-in games. So they, so this uh, is comparable. Okay. It's That's a comp- interesting. That's a good point, actually. But they won the first playing game, right? No, they lost to the Lakers. Oh, I guess by definition, the eight seed yeah. has. Okay. All right. All right. So, so, so wait a minute. So we're saying now, but okay, but Denver's been upgraded significantly. That's the from, difference. Yeah. yeah. And Miami has been upgraded. And you could make the case they've been upgraded by about the same amount then. No, my, you have to upgrade Miami more. I'm not saying you should or should. I'm saying the market has upgraded them about equal. That you're correct on. But I would, I would, and, and this is, in my eyes, it seems irrational to me because what Denver's done is super impressive and what Miami has done is unprecedented in the history of the world. So that's more meaningful. Yes. Yeah, it's funny because a lot of people, the Knicks series wasn't impressive to me. I mean, winning any series, you got to, it's mm-hmm. meaningful. But it, it seems like the Knicks, because of injury, whatever, when they lost, uh, what, Randolph uh, uh, was hobbled so the Knicks much. Knicks were still a minus 200 favorite? Before the series. Yeah. I, I th- believe so. I'm not 100% sure that's Well, right. Butler also missed the game too, right? He missed, I think, game He two, missed the game right? that they lost. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, and they almost won that game. That was the crazy part. So, Mackenzie, so you think the line? So, what do you see? Like, if you were making your price, what would you make it for for the series? Minus four twenty, Denver. So you're just saying by a smidge. Yeah. Okay. Um, let's look back at that Minnesota, right? So the minute because again, it is analogous. Understanding though that Miami's been upgraded. More than a typical eight seed, obviously, but so I think Denver has been upgraded more than a typical one. Typically, Agreed. a one is going to be power rated pretty much the same when they make sure. the finals because they they were supposed to in a way, right? Maybe half of yeah, the line. yeah, yeah. So I think the Nuggets. All you got to do to look at the Nuggets is look at the underdog they were to Phoenix with home court, right? They were home court in what yes. minus one forty. Yeah, was Phoenix? Was Phoenix? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So that's 90 cents or eight, let's call it 80 cents. So that means it would have been like minus 230 if Phoenix was at home. Yeah. Right? So think about that. If we do an 80 cent flip, which I think is about right. So, I mean, that said that clear, I mean, what was the Boston Philly uh, series? Wasn't it right around a little over 200? It was, and then Embiid uh, was not going to be back for game one, and it closed like minus 500 before game okay, one. Okay, but when they lost. thought it was the typical Philly-Boston. Yeah, it was like minus 250. Boston. And no one questioned at the time if Boston was better than Philly. It was like Boston's better than Philly, even with Embiid. That's how much Phoenix was considered better than Denver about. Yeah. And it wasn't even a real – I mean, it was a series, but it was a clean win. And, and part of this, and we talked in pre-production about how a lot of my work – is pattern recognition, all right? Okay. And so my pattern recognition on Denver, and I don't think I'm alone here. We're right? counting cars. <laughs> counting cars. <laughs> is that, oh, I got the altitude team of Utah or Denver. I'm looking to fade them come playoff time. That's just— Why, why is that? Because their regular season stats and margin is inflated because inevitably they get back-to-back games against teams that just say they look at their schedule and say business decision we're going to sit Kawhi you know we're not we're, we, we 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 have to play in Utah and then we have to play in Denver that second game we're not going to put our best guys in I'm going by recollection here there's about 10 games a year that that's the case yeah okay. I think that's approximately correct so inevitably if you if you look at like in Denver I think despite their fine record 
I believe only outscored their opponents by like three and a half per game. So I could make the case if I normalize for this factor, you know, the the altitude we're not going to business decision. It's probably more like two and a half, you know. So it's really remarkable how much they've raised their game, or how much Jokic has raised his game. Well, I think Murray's stepped up. Murray, yeah, I mean, yeah. But Jokic, based on expectation, Jokic is doing things this postseason that no one's ever done. He passed Kareem for like the most triple doubles in a single postseason. Will Chamberlain? Oh, yeah. Will Chamberlain, whatever for the most triple doubles in a single postseason. I mean, he is as great as he was during the regular season. I mean, he's he's like on another level. If only he was great enough to win the MVP. Well, this is why he's going to win the Finals MVP. It's the best <laughs> bet out there because the narrative of him not so what, winning what the regular season saying? MVP. Uh, what was that's it? a good point actually. because he didn't win the regular season MVP when he should have. There's no voter. I don't care if Jamal Murray scores 50 every game. There's no voter that's voting for no one other than Jokic if Denver wins. Because I'll tell you what, if Murray does score like 50 a game, I bet you Jokic is going to have 17 assists. But, 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 <laughs> but the problem points. is, there's so little differentiate. It's what minus 360. No, it's, it's minus so, 340. So let's see if you have. Jokic right now is... So this is a classic conversation that comes up the in, correlation, the, in yep. the Super Bowl oftentimes. And often the people that are chirping, hey, just play so-and-so to win MVP, the quarterback, the difference is insufficient for all the possibilities of what could happen. Yes, I think I saw minus 350. Minus 320 you can get at FanDuel. Oh, okay. 320, there you go. Well, yep. Well, I think we can have... We, and three, yeah, 360 other places. Yeah, so 320 actually, is the best number. I don't like that just because I think Murray could. I mean, the narrative has been, you know something, Jokic played well, but Murray well, was what, the real differentiator. Look at what we just saw in the Eastern Conference Finals. Okay. The voters still point. voted for Jimmy four, Butler. But it was five, four. But Butler still won. Ladies and gentlemen, we have a split decision. And Butler still won because the narrative was Butler was the reason why. Think, think about how... Think about... Like, Jokic I, has been the best... I can in the world. I can show you guys how bad these bets are in one comparison. Mm -hmm. So Jimmy Butler's like three thirty, all right, to win MVP right now. Plus three thirty. Plus three thirty, and Jokic is minus three thirty, approximately. Can shop, so we can bet both of those, and we'll break even unless somebody else wins, and then we get then we get scooped. That's yeah, not good. But I don't. I wouldn't do the Jimmy Butler plus three thirty because uh, I think you could probably shop around and get a better price on the Heat to win the series. Though, but with Jokic, though, if there's any, I'm sorry to interrupt, but if there's any player that's going to win as the losing as part of the losing team, it's Jimmy Butler. I that, mean, imagine that would be that's extremely it is, rare. But you, it, oh, it is for sure. It's only happened one time. Was that the Golden State? Was it Jerry West? Right? Oh, was that okay? That's right. Okay. I think that time has come and gone. I think people are like, they're much less, I don't know if there's more people voting or what what the heck happened, but it just seems like almost an impossibility that that the loser's ever going to win again unless it's like like beyond extreme. I think that LeBron, when Iguodala won it, I think LeBron. There was an argument for LeBron, yeah. Yeah, yeah if I that's a great right. example. And the only reason why Iguodala won it is because they say he shut, he, he shut down LeBron in game six, right? But, <laughs> that, but the that fact that Iguodala won it, like 30 that's like a one great game. comp. <laughs> the fact that Iguodala beat LeBron means it's never going to happen again. Yeah, you might be right. You might be right. But it's because it's a voter driven, a, a voter voted on award, right? Uh, that's why, I mean, that's why Caleb Martin didn't win. I or mean, John he, Von Tobel is like on suicide watch right now. Well, because, because Caleb Martin was 38 to one and it was actually a great bet. Um, but Jokic, there's no voter that is going to watch these NBA finals and is going to vote on anybody else but Jokic to win the MVP if Denver wins. Because of the fact that he really should have so, been so the MVP again. The the season. Fez, so the, it's minus 400 and the other one's minus three, tw 320. 20. So, 
do some quick back of the napkin. What uh, if Denver wins? What is the split? Let's assume those two, uh, or no, it's really Jokic or other, right? Mm-hmm. Is what is the chance of other? Because re- I, I, I want, I might want to bet you that we, this is kind of. I think they call this a synthetic. Yes, we're going to synthetic. You, all right, go. I've heard of that. But <laughs> the reason why I also think, and and the only other player argument is like, what if Jamal Murray goes off? Which but, I think is a valid one. But it, you're, but you're not that. That's where you have to look at Nikola Jokic for the type of player that he is, and only Who's he Nicolo? is. <laughs> because Jokic racks up assists too that if Murray is scoring the likelihood is that Jokic is going to have a triple double in those games because he's going to have assists you know how many times they do that pick and roll where he just like gives it to Murray and he shoots the three pointer behind the pick we we see that throughout the playoffs it's not like it's Butler versus Martin or it's another player on another team LeBron versus somebody else like Jokic is directly impacting what the other players on the team do. So if Murray goes off, I'm going to say it's like when Cooper cup caught passes, they came from Stafford. Well, but wait, Cooper cup won. Hmm. I don't know. I don't know. (laughs) Mackenzie on that debate. And Fez, do you have the number yet? Yeah. So let me walk you through what I did. Okay. Okay, So I start out, I'm going to play Denver minus 400. Mm -hmm. Okay. And they're going to win 80 times and lose 20 times. I'm going to break even. Okay. Now I'm going to try this, the Jokic MVP and see how I do. So now I only lay minus 340. Mm -hmm. All right. I'm going to. 320, right? um, 320. 320. Okay. That changes. Yes. So let's get McKenzie's thoughts on this first. What what do you think of this uh, question? Do you see. Uh, this supposedly Nicola or something is this guy's <laughs> name. Is um, do you see him as the as a good bet at minus three twenty instead of minus four hundred? Or do I do. Think- I, I don't see a scenario Jamal Murray could win the award. And I just look at the Western Conference Finals. If there was ever a time he was the most valuable player, thirty three points a game, amazing shooting, single handedly decided games two and three. But Jokic was the MVP, and he deserved it, deservedly so from everything else that he brought to the table. Okay, so did you get the vote tally on that one? I'll look it up. Yeah, that's interesting. Because if that one's not five four, mm-hmm. I think it kind of makes it validates your point. I think. And we all know Aaron Donald should have won the MVP, not Cooper Cup. So. I, well, I had a hundred dollars on Aaron Donald. <laughs> that's the truth, right, Faz? I think I put that thing. exactly. Uh, um, well, I did have a hundred though. So uh, what do we have? Fifty to one. What do we have, Mackenzie? I gave you a free roll. Minus thirty and a half. Fifty to one. Yeah, on Game Four, I thought Boston could really sit down. And or lay down, whatever you want to call mm-hmm. it. And well, the funny thing is, when you were in that spot before, which was a team got crushed in Game Three, and Game Four was for the sweep. Uh, the history said I think there was eight instances of that. Four of them were thirty points or more. So I've never seen a subset of playoff teams that half of them were thirty or more, and we had fifty to one, and. They lost. Mm. <laughs> I mean, it didn't cost us any more than the 100, but this is the dream preview. I'm R.J. Bell. We got Fezzik. We got Scott. We've got McKenzie, A.J., AWOL. Well, he'll be back <laughs> next week. Jokic, by the way, unanimous in the Western Conference Finals. MVP. Okay, well, that really makes the point. Because, I mean, I, I would have thought Murray would have been – I thought 5-4 made sense. So, okay. All right, I see it. I see it. What do you got? So back of the envelope, I'm assuming 90% of the time Jokic wins MVP if Denver wins. Does that based seem based on this price? Uh no, I just I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna price it based upon that assumption. I think you've got this right. And I, I gotta be honest, initially I thought you were wrong. This is eye popping, but go quickly through the rationale of how much 
difference minus 320 versus minus 400 is. And I think it actually makes Scott's point less. I think you guys are right that it's pretty extreme it's going to be Jokic. But, boy, with these numbers, I'm not sure if it's worth it. But go ahead. Yeah, and frankly, uh, big picture, I'm shocked that the numbers work out the way they are. But but the numbers are what they are. So so if I, I start out baseline, I'm going to bet Denver, minus 400. We're going to keep it very clean. Well, that's one of the possibilities. One of the possibilities. And we're just going to assume Denver wins 80% of the time. Which is what the market implies right now. So think about it. If I make this bet 100 times, all right, I'm going to win 80 units. I'm going to lose 20 times, but the problem is I'm going to lose minus 400. So I'm going to lose 80 units. I'm going to break even if I play Denver minus 400. All right. So just to be clear, actually... What the market implies will be the Vigless line. Yes, but it, I'm we're, just we're talking it, range here. I'm, okay. Yeah, and and it flows through on both sides okay, here. So yeah. so 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 it's acceptable. So now let's assume that Jokic. Well, he's not going to get MVP if they lose the 20 times. That's going to still be a loser. Um, but I'm also going to lose. I'm going to say four times out of a hundred when Denver wins, but Murray wins, or someone else wins, and Jokic doesn't win, which is certainly a possibility. And I think you're saying it in a way that confused me, mm. and let me restate it. I don't think you're going to say 24. If you do the algebra, it comes out where 24 times minus 320 is uh, comparable to 76 times, um, I guess that would be what, it, it would be... Um, minus 400. But it would be plus four. Yeah, I like to think about that hundred trials. Yeah, it's just, yeah. it's just the way I'm programmed. Yeah, it's yeah, easier. Yeah. So, so if I if I bet it a hundred times, I win seventy six mm-hmm. times, pick up seventy six units. But now instead of losing twenty times, I lose twenty four times. Exactly. And when I lose those twenty four times, 2. I'm losing three point two. And you multiply those together, you know what? I wind up just a tiny bit negative, but comparable to the other and one. And we're talking about the assumptions is probably where that is. Is where instead of having the vigorous line for what we assume to be the end result, I think that's the little difference we're seeing. Yeah, and so the bottom line is if you feel that Jokic is going to, if Denver wins, if he's going to get the MVP ninety more than 95% of the time, lay the 320. But if you don't think he's going to get it 19 out of 20 times, and I don't think he would, then don't don't make that bet. The Denver bet is superior. Yeah, so what you're saying is out of the 80 winners that we're presupposing for Denver, if 76 times Jokic won the MVP – that the minus 320 minus 400 would be at equilibrium. They'd be equal. Yes. So Scott, now let's, you, you've been, um, uh, you know, and we've been debating and Mackenzie has up on the screen. What about Jokic winning if the heat, uh, if the heat win, I think is what you meant, right? Yeah. Is uh, uh, the, I think we kind of talking it through. I'm not sure that's even viable at this point. I mean, like we said, the LeBron, Iguodala. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I'm not sure it changes the math all that much also, frankly, because it flows through on both sides. Well, but the assumption is if someone can win with the other team. Oh, oh you're it? right. You're right. The it theory, does. It changes. They're going to win every time. I'm wrong. It yeah. changes everything. Yeah. Yeah. yeah it, it, but again, I'm not sure that's the case, mm-hmm. but, but. I guess what I'm saying is, do you see it as four? So it's one out of twenty times, really. So it's nineteen out of twenty is the question. Is do you think Jokic wins the MVP more than nineteen out of twenty times that Denver wins? I think Jokic wins the MVP one hundred out of a hundred times Denver wins the NBA Finals. Well, somebody yeah, give me I a button. I think it's I honestly like whatever bet you want to make. Like I would be utterly baffled, shocked. Any word that like to me. Any writer that is voting for somebody other than Jokic and Denver right, so wins the NBA Finals 
is out of their mind. All right, so here's the bet I'm going to propose. Go ahead. Go ahead. Well, well, I would have said the same thing about because Miami. Because if Jokic, I, does, if Jokic well, doesn't perform, Denver doesn't win the I finals. Would have, but I would have said the same thing about Miami against Boston, and Jimmy Butler almost didn't get the MVP. Right, so and I would have say, said that about him. But he did, though, didn't he? Yeah. So, so here's, <laughs> here's, my, here's what I'm going to do. I'm not going to exploit you. I'm just going to try to get a little action. Mm -hmm. So I'll put out – so 20 to 1 is the equilibrium point, and you're saying, oh, it's easy. So yep. I'm saying, okay, I could say 100 – no, no, no. I'm going to say double that. Give me $10 to win, $10 to win 400 and the, and here's the bet. Denver has to win. Yes. If Denver wins and Jokic wins, I owe you 10 If yep. they don't, you owe me 400 And that yep. would be – bet? I will take my uh, free pizza pie that day. Exactly. All right. All right. So, thank you. you want a piece of that? No. Uh, oh, oh, against Scott. Yes. Yeah. Um, you want to do another ten there? Well, then I can get two pies. Yeah. No, no, no. Just, just the one ten. Right, right, this is right. you know the, 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 this is very reminiscent of the of the anti tiger bets I used to make against Cofield, where I had the worst <laughs> of it. But Scott's going to be okay. But in the long run, Maybe. I was not. I was not going to be okay. But the lesson to be learned. I learned this. I did not know this. Intuitively, most people would say, that, well, the way I'm going to do this math is I'm going to take that minus 320 and that minus 400 and just divide them. And if Jokic is the MVP, 80% of it— doesn't sound like that 80 straddle doesn't it feel, something. Doesn't, yeah. doesn't it feel like that 320 divided by 400? It should be, oh, as long as Jokic is, is the MVP 80% of the time when Denver wins, then it's a better bet. But it, the math does not work that way. Now, because this is a terrible mathematical bet for myself, I need one caveat. Well, the bet's already made. I need, I need a caveat. All right. He has to play two and a half games. Okay, that, I think that's fair. Okay, yeah, that's we'll fair. say. Um, so, like, if he gets hurt and misses no, the bulk of the series, I'm obviously, saying. and Denver somehow wins, obviously, he's not going to be the MVP. He has to play two and a half games. I agree. Okay. Um, Why don't you just say he has to play three? No, so, well, Faz, I know you he hate could, me ever getting the best well, of it. Well, I'm just saying he, he, he can well, get hurt in the third game. half means he plays a minute in the third game. <laughs> he plays more than two I games. I don't think Scott f agrees with that definition. Well, considering the fact that I gave him this as an addendum at <laughs> Well, the that's end, why I said he, three games. If he starts, Yeah, if he starts the third game. Yeah. But if okay, I don't pass I thought, the physical. Then That's a Jimmy G situation. So, Mackenzie, so you actually like his side of this bat. I don't like the minus four thousand when I, when we just priced it out at minus two thousand. But you're saying that you guys think the two thousand is cheap? Yeah, give me twenty one hundred. I'll I'll take you for ten. I'll take you for ten bucks to He's win twenty. Taking me for ten dollars. I'll take you on. I meant. All right, I meant. But, Fez, you want half of that because I know you like. To no, take because Mackenzie's going to come in. He's going to be like really mad. Like for. Uh, but months. that's that's a bonus. For us, <laughs> I only have. I only come in like at most twice but a week. If he's gonna, yeah, okay, if, if he's going to be mad anyway, might as well make some money from. There it. you go. Sure. So you want ten of that? Oh yeah. I got ten. Oh, let me. No, no. I think we're only betting ten. So you got five. I got five with Mackenzie, and I got the whole ten with Scott. Do you know what's so interesting about this? Is that <laughs> no, no, no. It's it's because part of my reasoning, actually a bulk of my reasoning, is the exact reasoning you gave when you came in and told us why Embiid was going to win the MVP about the no, narrative no, and the voting. And so I'm telling you the narrative and the voting is going to be for Jokic to win finals MVP because he did not win the regular season MVP. See, now I actually think that the reason I like this bet, and I probably would like it even at 20 to 1, is the opposite. So there's a concept you've probably heard of, cognitive dissidence. So once someone believes something, they will fight very hard to keep believing it. They don't want to believe that they were wrong because they feel foolish, right? A lot of these voters, I'm guessing the voters for this award had votes for the MVP generally because there's a hundred of those. Mm -hmm. And I think there's only, what, was there nine in the play? I don't know how many there is in the final. It's not going to be more than a hundred, right? How many of them voted for 
the Joker. Not many, right? Because the Joker got blown out. Mm-hmm. Is the idea you're thinking, oh, it's redemption. We made a mistake. Let's let the Joker win this. No, I think they're going to fight to find someone else. No, because I think the conversation was about the people that didn't vote. Remember, Mark Jackson left them off the ballot completely. Some other reporter said they never watched like a Denver game. There were so many people that were like made to look well, foolish. That was, that was a, t- a about story. The there Den- was a sideline reporter that yeah. said that. They, she didn't have a vote. I think then. she was taken out of context where she she said, oh, I haven't seen Jokic. And I think what she meant was I haven't seen him in person. Well, that's what she meant. Yeah, right. Well, and they, and they, a, but, but a lot of people threw her under the bus saying, oh, she, hasn't, she doesn't watch any NBA games. I was just trying to say but there's a conversation profan- about yeah. the people that snubbed Jokic in the voting. And, and what I'm saying is, I, it, Mackenzie, when you think of cognitive dissonance, in general, it would make sense. It's like if someone – here's the thing they show. If someone gets hustled, like a, a confidence scam, right? Mm-hmm. So somehow you're buying the, the Brooklyn Bridge or whatever. When they're told about that by the Bunko cops or whatever – they actually often will get hustled a second time when they go to confront that person and they will say, oh, it's like the classic story. You didn't have the good picks. You were get just paying a thousand a week. Give this five thousand. You'll get the good picks. You've been cheap. It's your fault. They, people end up doing that. Right. I mean, the old school boiler rooms. And so oh, this is this is interesting. This is Mark Twain quote. And Mackenzie put up. It's easier to fool people than it is to convince them that they have been fooled. Mm. That and I do believe that's that's a great quote there. I do believe if you look up cognitive dissonance and 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 just think about the concept, I think that people who voted for Jokic or didn't voted for Embiid, who did it for less than good reasons, because I do think that the it wasn't just narrative. I think it was a t- personal attack to these people that they were racist. <laughs> they were afraid of that judgment, and they were going to do anything not to feel that. Right? I think they're going to keep defending that. At least some. I don't know. I mean, listen, all I know is the math says one thing. I'm getting double. That's what I tend to like. <laughs> I'm not allowed to talk politics, but I know whoever I vote for for president, I give them the benefit of the doubt. Like well, if things are kind of going rocky, I'm like, yeah, you know, and I justify it. I mean, think about it. We all say that in theory, they say, well, Fox is biased and no doubt. I think it's no doubt there's a biased element to it. But I think there's equally no doubt there's a biased element to MSNBC. And the real question is, when do you ever hear the MSNBC guys critical of a Democrat? And whenever do you hear the Fox guys critical of a Republican? Now, Bush, or I'm sorry, Trump Trump has been a different kind of Republican. So in some ways, he's gotten more heat. You can see with DeSantis that that he's getting a lot of love that doesn't make a lot of sense with his polling numbers. Because the classic Republicans, the Chamber of Commerce Republicans— are very different than the new Republicans, right? Like Sleepy is one of our, you know, main guys, and he's a, um, you know, he does great work for us in a lot of different ways. He does production on the pod and stuff. Sleepy's like a, a Trump fan, but but it's like he is someone you would never think would be a Republican. Like you look at him, you don't think Republican, right? And in general, I think the Ooh, ma- but military, military, yeah, there's background. some of that for sure, yeah. but but. Usually it's a begrudging support because it's the lesser of two evils. Oh, okay. Like when Romney was supported by the, it wasn't like people loved Romney, like that were, let's say, in the service, but they didn't want necessarily a Democrat in. And so it's like unions where I grew up, that everyone voted Democrat, but they really thought like the Republicans. You were kind of just voting along the party lines. Like, well, think- we're supposed to like, like literally, and correct me if I'm wrong, like a lot of these 
like uh, during an election, they'll like like a unionized shop will say like there'll be like a communication going out from like the 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 the, the back head, in the day for the sure. higher ups like hey you know this you know they've always supported us you know this well, party in ethnic communities so whatever generation that is at different times right so like the Italians and the Irish were ethnic during one era mostly and then it evolves is the the mach- the party leaders the 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 ward bosses right you've heard I'm sure in New York the political machine mm-hmm. in Albany. Mm-hmm. Is there's a they have control of, of blocks of votes because if you vote their way and, and listen, there's no way to know, but if you vote their way, they're gonna get you a job or yep. they're gonna you know maybe you need help with some health insurance and some you can't find a doctor like it's almost like if you actually read The Godfather, the whole point of the mafia was the society wasn't protecting the Italians, let's say. And any ethnic group that doesn't have power doesn't get protected by the society. So they have to have their power brokers act for them. But then they become corrupt oftentimes, mm-hmm. right? So to me, and, and one last point, what's interesting about the whole, are they really educated on it? Oftentimes not. That's what the whole elephant and donkey was about. Is when they told people who to vote for instead of saying the Democrat, some of these people were illiterate back, you know, today still, you know what I'm saying, but they say you vote for the donkey every time or you, Mm -hmm. and it's like, that's, you want to talk about how simplistic they made it, right? Point the animal out that you vote for, but it's fascinating. It's so funny how uh, that, that ultimately the one thing we know is whenever, whenever power is aggregated, corruption follows. It doesn't matter if it's the church. It doesn't matter if it's the government. Like, show me a place that has massive power but doesn't have massive corruption. I don't think it exists. The right? NFL. <laughs> <laughs> See, it doesn't exist. All right, we are the Dream Preview. I'm RJ Bell. Mackenzie Rivers, the NBA expert. All right, let's continue. I'm going to make, I'm going to give a pick, by the way, in game one. I like in, this. In a few minutes. Um, Mackenzie, let's break down that Minnesota. We didn't. We broke down that Minnesota in game one is pretty comparable. But let's look at the series prices. So Minnesota uh, was plus four twenty five. The Heat are plus three thirty. So Fez, I got to make the following point: if if Denver's been really upgraded, my and Miami's been upgraded even more. Because I would say Minnesota and Miami entering the playoffs would have been very comparable. I agree with that. So I think maybe game one is accounting more. Maybe that opening line is an indication of Miami being upgraded. And then game one, they said, no, you've got to think about the rest. But maybe for the series, it is. I mean, game. let's assume Nuggets win game one. What do you think the line in game two is? Maybe it's six and a half or seven. I think seven and a half. Okay. But why would it have opened? What did you say? It opened five? Five and a half. But but there was a well that's a one shop and within thirty the seconds shot in the, the yeah shot but within the thirty seconds it's seven you know so bang 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 but, but just, how much of that's game one and how much of that right I, well I think the the move from six and a half to seven and a half is just the the, the fact that that the the shop wanted to say Miami just won by twenty against Boston we're upgrading them and then the betters are like it's one game we don't care all right now let's talk about and McKenzie actually came up with this trend or it's a system really systems are league wide is if you have a team that played in the previous game, the seventh of a seven-game series, so they went seven, and the opponent didn't play seven games. It's that simple. In game one, 19 winners and 31 losers for the team off the seven 
The yeah. tired team gets smacked around. Yeah, and it's by 2.7 points ATS margin, which is a nice, that's commensurate with uh, 62% or so, right? So we're looking at 62% and minus 2.7 points. Yeah, I'd say every point's like 4%. Or thir- 38% and minus 2.7, yeah. Does that break it down by quarter? Because what, like, you would think the advantage would be in the first quarter, right? All right. So looking at the good question quarters is first quarter one point. So the total um, straight up margin is six points. So we got six points to accrue here. One point comes in the first quarter. So mm. the first quarter is less the case, and the second quarter is big, two point three points. Third quarter is big, three and a half. Fourth quarter, actually, the home team or the other, and it doesn't matter who's home and away in this. Um, but the the team that's tired actually wins the fourth quarter, which seems weird, but it shows you when a team's up big, they tend to fade a little bit. You know, and this is kind of true in all sports. If there's one lesson I've learned whenever I look at this, you always want to take one, take plus one in the fourth quarter in the NFL, in college football, especially and, if there's a bigger favorite. And yeah, they, because all the margin get gets accrued typically in the first three quarters. But in this case, there's not as much in the first, so this is yeah. one of those. Uh, under that theory, you would look to play it after the first or in in game, or you'd look to play the second and third quarter separately. You could, I guess. Yeah, yeah, and we even discussed, you know, potentially like if you really like this, like you bet you bet two units after the first quarter on the more rested team. And then if you feel you overbet your bankroll, whatever, then after the end of the third quarter, you dump back like half your bet All right, the other so this guys. Is, this is really aligned with my best bet, so I'm going to do that right now. Don't know about the future. That's anybody's guess. Ain't no good reason for getting all depressed. Buy up your pad and pencil. I give you a piece of my mind. I was turning someone on to this song, and I said, I think it's the best theme song in TV history. But then I said, I know what I think the second best theme is. So I want you guys, when I'm giving this pick, to think, what is your favorite theme? Or maybe it's second to Blossom, and then I'll tell you mine. And there's a poll on Twitter. No, no. (laughs) We want to get our engagement up. All right, so here's what I'm saying. I'm saying I like Denver in, so this is the example of the not-tire team in McKenzie's trend, but I want Denver in the third quarter only. Third quarter only. So, McKenzie, what do you see as the third quarter line right now? Two and a half either side. All right, so, Fez, how does that line up with the, with the game line being like nine? Eight and a half and nine. So the first half, I always go first half. Mm-hmm. So first half should be five, mm-hmm. all right? And so the second half should be like three and a half, and so the third quarter should be two. Okay, but remember, fourth quarter we're saying should be even. Or all right, so, so right? maybe two and a half, third quarter. Yes. Yeah, you're right. You're, so we're right. Yeah, yeah you're right. Then. You're right, yeah. All right, so uh, minus two and a half. And it looks like we're actually laying a little less big, right? A little more. Oh, a little less, yeah, on the Nuggets. Well, yeah. what yeah. We got, let's check the money line, too. Yeah, okay. Yeah, so the theory about the money line here is – a quarter has a much better chance of being even. So we like the idea of having the money line because that's going to be a push. Right. So I think like, like, and, and if I get, if I get buy a half point all the way down to pick for 10 cents each, that would be really cheap. All right, so, so before we look at the so money, minus line, each half cheap. point is you'd pay 10 cents for Easily, it. So yes. minus 120 for two, 130 for one and a half, 140 for one, then it's just one more take. So minus 150 you do. Minus 158 would be real, would be superior. Right. I, I would lay up to minus 165 to be superior. It's probably going to be more What's than that. What's the number, though. McKenzie? Minus 188. 
Yeah. All right. So you like the two and a half at that? I do. Okay. So here's my rationale. And this is a really sweet trend, and it's a simple one. I guess, again, a system. It's a simple one. The first game of the finals, you play the home team. That's it. Now, you might say, RJ, how good could that be? Well, let's take a gander. Is uh, Since 2002, and that's how far back the database goes, it is 15 winners against the spread, four losers against the spread. 3.6 points. So this is really saying McKenzie's applies to all rounds, and it's valid. We have that and just the generic, hey, there's something about that first game that the home team gets real serious about. Mm -hmm. Now, McKenzie, again in pre-production, had a real good point. He said, well, I originally said, I wonder how these teams are inexperienced in the finals do in that first quarter. And then he thought, well, Golden State in 14, the first year they were in the finals, how'd they do? Well, remember, they beat the Cavs in game one. They beat the Cavs in the series. But they lost the first quarter by 10 points of the first game. So that's, you know, I guess we could look back to Toronto. Mackenzie, look up. But they weren't home, were they? Was Toronto home or weren't they? They were home. All right, check how they did the first quarter. Because I kind of almost want to look to play. Now, my bet is Denver third quarter. But I almost want to look to play Miami in the first quarter. The theory is there's rust. With Denver early, right? Miami might get tired, but they're not going to, like, by the third quarter. But they, at altitude. But I don't think that they're going to be tired for the first quarter. And that altitude's obviously built into the entire game line Mm -hmm. when they're getting more tired. In fact, Denver's been home in altitude, so they're totally acclimated to it. So that Mm. extra advantage. It's not like they're just coming in from San Diego to play. I wonder what the Boston-Denver, I think Boston would have been favored with home court. Uh, they were favored. Oh, you saw the perspective? What was it? Yeah, so Boston was minus 115 at DraftKings, and I felt that that was woefully low. I thought Boston should be a bigger favorite. Well, yeah, because that implies Denver's the clearly better yeah, team. Yeah, I thought that was court. too low. In fact, I bet that and just got a refund. And that's a push. Okay. So if you look at this 15-4 and four and you break it down by quarter, and again, you got 19 games here. This is saying that literally it's break even in the first quarter. Second quarter is two and a half points for the home team. And here it is. Third quarter is five and a half points, five and a half for the home team. Fourth quarter is actually break even. So first quarter, fourth quarter break even. Second quarter, two and a half, five and a half. So the whole edge of the game is like 70% of it's in the third quarter. So give me, give me. I like to isolate my edge. And maybe Denver's a few jitters, haven't been there before. Mm-hmm, so mm-hmm. now, now we get them, you know, Cruising, you know, acclimated I and acclimated. So. I, yeah, I, I like it. I really think, well, I think in general, if, if there is going to be a nervous quarter, it will be the first, it, like the Super Bowl, it'll be the first quarter, the first game. You got to think, right? So, Mackenzie, did you get that how uh, Toronto did? They won the first quarter by four points. So that invalidates your point, huh? No, I'm joking. <laughs> well, Kawhi Leonard had finals MVP under his belt. Oh, at that's, that point. A, that's a good point. Kawhi was the leader of that. Um, that's an interesting point, actually. Um, so what do you? What does anyone? Fez, you like it? I like it a lot, Scott. I like it a lot. Actually, I like the Miami plus three in the first quarter, and then Denver minus two in the second, and minus two and a half in the third. <laughs> you know? It's interesting. Like, it's, it, it, I love hedging like that yeah, myself. Like, I, I, I do. And Fez, that's a good segue, and we can talk about this right now before we come up with our best theme songs. Um, 
Been writing them down. Yeah, yeah. It'd be, be so. I could spend an hour thinking what would be the funniest I could thing Fez could say. Uh, I was gonna say I could spend an hour doing a whole podcast on which is the best TV theme song. All right, so you better have a good one. <laughs> yeah. But we've been talking about volume. So you and I have been betting, and or I've been betting with you, and I bet you know maybe maybe uh, two days in a row I'll have something. Then I'll go three or four days without. I'm selective. I like it. You are like you know. Let's be candid with your personal bets. You're batting, well, I'm guessing here, even this time of year, you're batting at least 25 picks a week, right? Or 25 bets a week, right? Way more. Yeah. So now has that gone up with all the derivatives and all the props? It's a live wagering. Yeah, it's, yeah. It, it, exactly right. So so it's not unusual. Like, like for, Let's take live wagering out of it. Okay. Pre, As some say, pre-flop or pre-game, what you, what, how many bets in a week this time of year? Uh, probably 80. Oh, my gosh. And you got at least that many in-game. Oh, yeah. So 160 separate bets. Yes. So that's about me in a year. <laughs> but but here's the difference. You make a majority of your money betting, and I look at the betting as, hey, this is money for to splurge on something. Or to, you know, I might for a, a year say, I'm going to, I want to do this, investing something. I'm going to put all my winnings away. You know, I win because I am selective. I win almost, I mean, most, most, I would say it's been, it's probably been 10 years since I had a losing entire 365 days. Mm -hmm. But I think being selective makes it much easier. But your point is, if you want to make a living at it, selective is it's not even possible, really, to make a living. Yeah, and the, the reason being is that the amount of volume that you need to bet, if you're only hitting 55%— but well, well, Let's be clear. 55% is the gold standard. Exactly. So, But if you're ultra-selective, probably, you probably can hit 55%. Yeah. But, even, but even so, let's, let's assume you hit 55%. So this is saying, optimistically, let's assume your best bets are really good. Exactly. And I'm only going to bet—you know what? So good, I'm only going to take my very best bet each and every week. I'm going to take my very best football bet. So 52 bets a year. Yes. Mm -hmm. So we'll, we'll just do one week. And so I hit 55%. You know what? I'm laying minus 110. My ROI— is right around 5%. So let's assume I bet a really high amount, $10,000. Mm -hmm. That's a crazy high amount. Okay. I need to have, if I'm going to bet 10,000 a game, I need by Kelly Criterion, you know, I need to have a bankroll of 200,000 with if, I, if I'm going to hit 55%. Okay. All right, so, so what you're saying is you're giving every benefit of the doubt to the, the selective better. You're assuming he can get down 10,000. You're assuming he has a bankroll that won't lead to ruin, even with the vagaries of. Being at fifty five percent, right? The randomness of it, and you're assuming that he is actually hitting fifty five percent, and he's got two hundred thousand sitting around, okay. dedicated, and willing to lose it. You, you know? add that all up, a weekly bet is going to make you five thousand or five hundred a week. Five hundred a week, so twenty six thousand a year, which is you know, I, it's, I, it's, I, it's it's nice spending. It's money. it's or nice it, spend. So we try to raise a family on that. Good luck. Yes. Yeah, and, and listen, obviously, something that needs to be said occasionally is. It, listen, it matters where you are, right? There's people who are, I'm saying not Bill Gates or not uh, Elon. I'm saying there's people who are 28 years old on Wall Street that are making $3 million and they're laughing at our money, right? Maybe sure. not yours, Fez's, but mine, you know. Is, and, and then there's people saying 26000 I don't make that much. And you know what? Okay. It's like, so in a way, we all got to talk in our context, 
but still, you're right. Forget the contacts. In America, twenty six thousand is very difficult to raise a family. So you can't be. You could have everything. You first of all, twenty six thousand, but you're betting ten thousand again. That's hard to even fathom, and it still doesn't work at that low volume. Exactly right. But let's agree, it's so much harder to do it your way. Like for of all the listeners out there, let's assume there's a nice group because we got smart listeners. I mean, I would say the smartest in. The business, really. And every time we have someone come in to visit, it reinfor- it reinforces that to me. Like, we got superintendents of schools. We got Hollywood agents coming in. I love it. I mean, everyone's welcome if you pass the background check. But, I mean, other than that, welcome. But we have had some great people. Let's assume there's a certain percentage out there that could be a professional. Or let's say this. They could be a winning batter if they did it my way. Let's say that's a universe. What percentage of that universe can do it your way? Meaning, let's say you pass the first threshold that you can do it my way. I would make the case that maybe 15% of them could do it your way. That six out of seven people that could be profitable selectively, only one out of seven could be profitable high volume. That sounds right to me because think about it. If you have some lemons in there, if you have 48% bets, that's going to kill you. As a professional better, you can't have those real your, – your bets all have to be above 50%. Or, or for every 48% bet that you have out there, you got to have a 57% bet, which isn't going to exist, just to break even. So would you say what percentage of your win – and this is a guess – comes from the picks being good? And what percentage comes from you, your ability to get the right number, shopping for the number? 60% number, 40% picks. Yeah. So in a way, it's almost impossible for you to have – four. Yeah, I would have said a little bit more. Yeah. I, it's almost impossible for you to have a 47% bet because you're getting the best of every number. So even if it's a coin flip, you're going to be better. You'd have to be betting opposite of good information. Y- yes. Yes. And I also – like I'm pattern recognition. So there's certain things I specialize. Some people like they specialize in baseball with the nerfy, the no-run first inning, mm-hmm. or the yerfy, yes-run first inning. It's not one I actually spend a lot of time on. I'm a runs, hits, errors specialist. That's I love – I never knew this. Okay. I, I, oh, oh. <laughs> oh, I knew this. All right, yeah. all right. Yeah, so so – um, I'll pull back the curtain a little bit, okay? okay all right. Detroit has a center field fence at 420 feet, all right? Baltimore is cavernous. Those It's hard to hit home runs, so guess what? There's a lot of hits in those games without as many runs, whereas when the L.A. Dodgers are playing, all they do is hit solo home runs and three-run homes. It's not unusual the Dodgers get five runs on seven now, do hits. You, do, you bet, do you hedge those and bet opposite ways? Sometimes I do. Sometimes I do. So in general, I like I you get, want, you're going to scoop more than you're going to go for two. Yeah. So I I don't think I bet a Dodger game under in five years. Okay. If I'm betting the Dodgers under, I'm betting runs, hits, errors under for them. Now this is great. Now have, did, were you aware of this before Faz? Like this concept? No. All right. And how, as you've dug into mm-hmm. it, does it has it? Do you see the wisdom of it? Yes. Okay. Because there are certain games where like it could even be you know a. a, a Five four game that goes over, but it goes under the hits runs plus mm-hmm. errors total, mm-hmm. and that, that's the theory, right? It's going mm-hmm. to be very correlated. But the theory is you're going to catch. You know what this reminds me of is in the Super Bowl, not this year, but two years ago, we were looking at either points or yards. Yes, and and, and it's like how some teams get more yards mm-hmm. and 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 they don't convert the points as well, and some are vice versa. And I think two years ago it was set up where it was both teams were diametrically opposed. That's one of them was much better. Like there's a USFL team, the Pittsburgh Maulers. Mm-hmm. They, they, they their offense is good. 
but they cannot score in the red zone. Okay, so if you could do a prop bet on yardage over for the <laughs> Maulers, that's a really good bet. But game over, not nearly, or team total over, not so much. I think that's actually the ninth sign of the apocalypse is if a society has a bet that you can make on the Maulers. <laughs> if you can actually bet yardage, we're done. We're yeah. done. <laughs> Although in the movie, in the movie Air, they're like referencing 1980s players props, you know, which were none which, of them existed. Yeah, I don't think so. That's yeah, well, we didn't it, didn't. Uh, well, what was it um, uncut gems? I think right, Adam, Adam Sandler, Sandler invented the same game parlay because like they, those didn't exist. And he was go. He went into Francesca as the bookie and was like, "I want uh, uh, what do you say? Well, Garnett points. This guy's rebounds. This guy's." And it was like bets like that never existed. <laughs> I think he invented it. Well, I mean, we it was. I, let's give credit where credits due. The, the idea of correlated parlays. That were so obviously correlated. We for decades would just oh, you can't bet that. The fact that they find a way to depress the payout. Now again, perhaps too aggressively. I think it's fair to say, but they depress the payout in a way that makes it a viable bet. The price insensitive better that has no idea really what they should be being paid. They don't care. They've been depressed. They just think, hey, the payoff seems fair. This is real. It's a, it's a brilliant market. It's a brilliant product offering. Exactly. And this, this is really strong by you because this is ha- this is becoming prevalent that it's, it's the most popular thing out there. Yeah. Th- th- that across all games now, the casino executives have really gotten clever at finding ways to increase the whole. Now think about blackjack. Oh, well, we'll make blackjacks pay six to five. Well, that's kind of obvious to everyone. People are upset. It does upset the customers, but they've done it. What's a much more clever way to increase your hold? Put all these like little um, side bets where you can bet on dealer envy. You can bet on easy bust. RJ, if, if a dealer is a, a little card up, you can bet, will the dealer bust? It's even money. The dealer only busts 43% of the time with a five up, even less with a, a three or a four. And people will bet. I've seen people bet like they're betting 300 hand. They'll bet $300 every time the dealer flips over a little card at even money. It is like the most incredibly clever way to increase the household, and we're seeing that more and more triple zero roulette across the board but on the But those are two separate things, right? One is one of the typical ways of doing the hold, the zero and the double zero, adding an additional one, that is like underpaying on blackjack. What you're saying is, hey, pay for the glamour payouts, keep them the same, but make some negative EV offerings that are juicy and thus more money's being played at those negative EVs, and that's the hold increases. Exactly. And that's what craps has always done, that that if you just bet the odds, they, they took your odds, they wouldn't make enough money to make it profitable to run the game, but people will go ahead and bet on all these side bets and, you know, that there'll be boxcars or there'll be any crap, and that's where they make all their money. Well, if anything, the craps is, the, in a way, the same side of a different coin or maybe a different side of the same coin, <laughs> where the behind, you know, at odds is something they it's even harder to understand how to do it right they don't yeah. even, you know they'll put 100 times odds or 50 times odds but like you gotta one understand the math enough to know what you're gonna be let's just say it's a if you're a newbie you're not playing behind you know at odds and craps right it's not easy to do, yeah, I, do well, it. I, I do it anytime there's a six or an eight rolled <laughs> Uh, okay, but a six or eight, you play what? Anytime he, a si- he puts any, twenty five behind any, it, and pays thirty. Anytime a six or an eight is the mark, mm-hmm. I put money behind my pass line. Okay, I play. I play behind. Yeah, but but the theory is those bets, all of them, doesn't matter if it's a six yeah. or eight or whatever, are at at, at odds. So yes. that's the more money you get in action at odds, whatever you're betting on the other bets is going to be with a hold intrinsic, and that's the hold goes down. It's like if half your yeah. bets were at no vig, right? Yes. Okay, but the theory is you still can't win. 
you know, as as Skolansky said, and to me, one of the great books, The Theory of Poker, is no combination of bets with negative EV can be a positive EV bet. Doesn't matter how you combine them, they can't be. Thus, how do you win a crack? Because what the casino's counting on is that if half the time you lose all your money, taking your odds and the like, and half mm -hmm. the time you double up or quadruple up one-fourth of the time, then when you have that big stack of chips, then you start throwing around on all these long shots. And that's what people do. I've, I've observed it myself. Yeah, of course. Uh, that makes sense. And well, you do too. Your volume goes up when you're winning, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Now, I would say the way that the real grinders think about it is they think, okay, I'm going to play only as much as I can at odds. And then when there's dealer error in uh -huh. the payout that I can actually overcome the hold by when they make a mistake and to underpay me, I, I inform them when they overpay me, I stack my chips and that plus the rewards you can get oh, be be an advantaged player even a crap. Yeah, crowded crap table at Biloxi. Every time that a funky number gets rolled, just put your hand out. Maybe the dealer will hand you some chips. Well, now that's a little different, but okay. <laughs> but you see what I'm saying? I mean, you I'm sure you've t talked to people about the dealer error stuff, and it's exactly. small enough. Yeah, it's a hard way to make an easy living. Is yep. the old saying there? All right, so Mackenzie, what do you think of my bet? I like it. Uh, I was looking at Denver talking about that off a of game seven trend in general in the first game, but I like isolating the third quarter. I feel like in the scenario that they're down, it becomes like that minus 180 becomes minus 350. And if it's anywhere close, if it's a five point game, I think the two and a half numbers uh, yeah, I, are priced I think, right. Not I don't care right. unless they're up by 30. I mean, even if they're up by 18, I think the third quarter, they're still playing hard. It's a strong point. My, my buddy, Brad, a professional better, mm -hmm. and he really um, helped me out with this, that he, one of his favorite things to do is a team is up like 14 in the playoffs, and then the second half, maybe the other team is a two-point favorite. And he's like, Fez, that two-point favorite, really what they should be is a three-point favorite in the fourth quarter, but they should still be the dog in the third quarter. Teams, there's there, there's no um, um, regression to the mean in the third quarter. It's all the fourth quarter, the, the team that's getting blasted. And this is back. NBA. Yeah, that, NBA. And, and is this – I'm always interested with all the batters now, how many is – so is this a Vegas guy or is this for somewhere else? Uh, he's in Philly. Oh, Philly, okay. Yeah. Um, okay. Now, you guys, we're going to go in. Let's talk a little uh, Boston aftermath, and then we'll get into the NFL and call it a show. All right. Okay, we've had a time shift. We went off in a, and I think to be candid, one of the greatest conversations ever on theme songs, as we talked about, of sitcoms. Now, one hint I'll give you, the Sanford and Sons wasn't talked about. You know who wrote the Sanford and Sons theme song? I do not. Quincy Jones. Quincy, oh, okay. So he made more money from yeah. that than anything. I think he made more than when he did Thriller. <laughs> and it's number three on the Rolling Stone list. That's interesting. And if I'm not mistaken, that doesn't have any lyrics, right? Dum, 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 no, yeah. Oh, great. Da, 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 da. Yeah, but Quincy Jones, if you watch, there's actually We Are the World backstage, back studio footage. Of like they have one that's twenty minutes long of Dylan trying to get his part right, and actually, um, uh, I wrote for the site. I can't remember. Grantland. Grantland had a long TikTok 
of like that whole video. Oh wow! And at one point they go, Dylan looks like he doesn't know what countries he, he's in. Like I kind of, <laughs> but it, it's it's really fascinating because Quincy Jones, the producer. And Quentin, no matter what Dylan does, he's like, good job, baby. You are the best. Like, everything, he's like the best producer because it's so positive. Mm-hmm. It's actually, check it out. You can you can watch it and read the Grantland side by side, which I've done like maybe 10 times over the years. Love it. But um, we had a great conversation. Scott was, quite frankly, very impressive with his knowledge. Fez surprised me in his insight, but I won. <laughs> Is that fair to say? And you you did, but get... I got lucky. I got I got lucky because I don't know how to count Blossom not being on the list. Yeah, but you got the top score. I accept that. All right, and Mackenzie was pretty good too. It was all pretty good actually. Fez, you surprised me. I thought you would have said like I don't even know. Like maybe um, did you want? What, there was a show called Tales from the Crypt. Did you ever watch that? <laughs> oh yeah, that's good. Like that that was in syndication. Remember, like that kind of thing. I think Fez would or Star Trek maybe. I had Love Boat oh. and and Flintstones, and I, another one made my list. Now the Flintstones. That theme when he goes yabba dabba do yeah. that's interesting. All right, you've got about ten feet, well, about fifteen minutes of that at the end of the show. We're time shifting. All right, best bet wise, we're gonna what do you got? We're gonna do the NFL pick. You got anything else for us? Oh, you got a little NHL talk. Yes, let's hold that. Let's talk Boston, then NHL, then we'll do our picks in the NFL. Is that sound good? And then we got. Uh, uh, you got, oh, you're going to talk hockey in a minute. Okay. So, Mackenzie, what's your take? What, first off, what would you do in Boston? If you're the owner, what are you doing? So, Jalen Brown is eligible for a five-year, $295 million contract. So, let's give some context to that. Is If he didn't make All-NBA, he would have not been able to make enough in, given the situation that he probably would have had to leave if money matters, which it does to almost everyone. So, but now that he got that all NBA, it means that's what his expectation is. And now the speculation is it's too much. Would you agree with that? Yes. All right, go ahead. That would make him the highest paid player, be the biggest contract ever handed out in the NBA. And I think if you just look at the other max players, he doesn't change the game. He does everything fine. Uh, His efficiency is fine. But I think that game seven was so telling. Tatum, first play of the game, 15 seconds in, he can't move anymore. He can't move side to side. He's just going to stand around and shoot, run back and forth. What can Jalen Brown do? Was That was a question. Absolutely nothing. He couldn't dribble. He couldn't get past his man. When the defense is focused on him, and I think if you're getting paid as much as anybody ever, the defense is going to focus on you. I think he got exposed. And it's exactly, we talked about Caleb Martin and Jimmy Butler I think there's a concept of who's the knife, who's actually cutting past the defense, and who's the spoon picking up, getting all the rewards uh, of that cutting. I don't think Jalen Brown's the knife. I I think he needs other guys to be excelling. So I think it's an opportunity. I think they should be grateful. All right, well, let's let's slow down here. So first off, it's Mac the knife. We know that part. Love that song. (laughs) Um, You remember Reggie Jackson? You probably remember hearing about Reggie Jackson saying he was a straw that stirs the drink. drink. He actually says he never said that. Uh, He says that it was a reporter. It was during an interview that he had mentioned something, and and then the reporter was like, "So you're kind of the straw that stirs the drink." And then Reggie said, "Yeah, you can say that." Well, that's saying it, Dan. Yeah, but it wasn't a Reggie original quote. I'm not sure why he's making the point to say the one thing people remember him saying he didn't come up with. (laughs) All right. So, McKenna, your point, I think, is well taken. First of all, let's not get all caught up in the most ever, because that's a little disingenuous. Next up, yeah. Next up is going to get that. But he would be considered 
an elite player, the, as good as a player can get. Because if you're getting the most you can get, it means you're as good as you can get, or at least you're in that category. Because there's always going to be the best. And the assumption is with the cap, a LeBron back in his prime might have been worth half the cap. Right. Mm-hmm. So, but there, there was a limit to how much you could pay. I think it was 30 million originally. So those guys were intrinsically underpaid. That's why they could demand all of their friends on the plane, where they could have power over to some degree over the roster. Stuff Miami didn't really do for LeBron. That's one of the reasons supposedly he left. But it was like they were getting underpaid so much. Now it feels like they're unshackled in a way. And the question is, with this new limitation on spending, the new cap stuff, the Bill Simmons has talked a lot about, and I think very insightfully, you're going to be able to have two max guys and then role players. And they call it the he's calling it the Hollywood system where you've got a star, a guy behind him or her on the poster. And then everyone else is just a picture of blurry faces in the back. Right. And I don't know if that's the way it's going to go. I feel like there's going to be another option, which is a star and then three guys getting paid a third of the mat, you know, like 15 or 18 and then a bunch of blurry faces because there's not 60 elite players. So if every team has the money for two, and then the question is, well, who's going to go to crappy, you know, Sac- or I don't know, Sacramento's not really crap, but who's going to go? pretty to- crappy. Well, I mean, as a team, I think they have an exciting team, right? Well, I meant as a place to live. Oh, okay. Well, I don't know. But, but. <laughs> If I just try to eliminate as many listeners as you can, <laughs> unless they're exactly like you. He doesn't like you, if you know. <laughs> You're just a straight talker, Fez. I don't, I've never been to Sacramento. I know when Schwarzenegger was governor, he flew back to L.A. every night. Yeah. So, I mean, I'm not sure what that says, but I'm, I don't think I've ever been to Sacramento. I've been to, like, San Jose up that way, right? That's similar. Yeah. San Jose is San Francisco. You still have to go. Further north. Is that right? Okay. I don't even know. I know it's the capital. Yeah. Okay. North and east. It's halfway to Tahoe. Third of the way to Tahoe. All right. So now what we know is we know that the Celtics with Brown would have two superstar type contracts with Tatum. Right now they have such a deep team and they can't win it. So assuming that gets thinned out, because no team's going to be able to have that much talent with this new rule, because they're making it so draconian, so punitive to have go over the cap, that it's something like you can't take money back in contracts, you can't, uh, you get picks taken away, it's like really hardcore. So it's going to be like a choice, not even a choice for most teams or any team really long term. You can't compete long term over that second apron. You could do it for a year, I think. So I don't think the Celtics would have the possibility with Brown being at a max of having anywhere near the deep team they have. Well, the one thing I'll say is Al Horford's salary does decrease significantly next year. Okay, And there's always the possibility of how much longer is he going to play? How much longer is he going to play? You know, so but, but they got to replace some pretty good performance. Sure, sure. Point. But he makes twenty six five this year. Right, he only right. makes ten next year. Okay, all right. That's you a know, valid point. That's, that's a, a huge. It's a huge savings. Um, and so if he can deliver equal to this year, yeah, yeah I agree. There's also they'll they're well. Will they have Mackenzie? Will they have Gallinari next year? Because that was also a big a, a acquisition that just never played because of injury, but mm-hmm. if Gallinari can can contribute, then maybe you don't have to sign Jalen Brown because you have a guy like Gallinari who could be that 3 and D guy that contributes. Yeah, but Brown's supposed to be a lot. I mean, Gallinari's yeah. not even close to Max. Well, I'm right? just saying, like, you, 
you he's a, he's a he's an asset mm. that Isn't they didn't he like have. Ninety. No, Danilo Gallinari is young. So yeah. the, the speculation is they could pretty He's much young? for next year keep their team except for Malcolm Brogdon. It would be Mal- Brogdon or Smart they'd have to move on for but next w- year. Wasn't he the sixth man of the year? Uh, recently. Not last. Was it this last year? Yeah. yeah. I have to check that. Yeah, yeah, I think so. So, I mean, what I'm saying, a pretty good player. Yeah, 20 points per game in, with the Pacers. Yeah, so if you, you take this team and get lose 20 points and this team just made it to the Final Four, it doesn't sound like a championship team unless Tatum – and or Brown step up significantly. I think Tatum still has a ways to go. I'm not sure he's got the intrinsic characteristics to go that way, mm. to be candid. There's, there is talk Brown got injured and that he was not but, close but to, to 100%. Me, it's not how it's not how well he played or didn't. It was his lack of aggressiveness. Mm-hmm. It, was, it just felt like the moment was too big for him. At no point watching that game, and I watched the game, at no point was there a sense of, Oh, Brown, he's like a dog on a leash, and he he's going to rip that leash off and look out. He's going to do what it takes to win. Yeah. I mean, again, I know it's gotten to be mythical now, the Jordan thing, but take it from someone that was there, right? Watching, I hated Jordan. I grew to love him, but I hated him for a long time because he was the – I always hate the the – the incumbent, the one who's the champ. It's like I always want someone else to take him down, right? You couldn't beat like I, I said this once when Jordan lost to Orlando when he came back like with ten games left. You looked around like what just happened? It was like Superman dying or something. I mean, it was like you couldn't believe it at the time that he got that ball. That he got stolen from behind. It was like what just happened? And then he just said, "All right, <laughs> three championships." Yeah. I mean, it was like he was done with that, right? And the story is apparently they did a Space Jam that that next off season, and he brought he got a parts for all the players he wanted. And they all scrimmaged when they weren't shooting, just yeah. like nonstop. Like, talk about power. Like, mm. all right, give these four guys a role in the movie. I want to scrimmage with them. But Jordan was a guy that you couldn't imagine a scenario that he wouldn't have almost died trying to win. Like, truly, that's how it seemed. And maybe Kobe's the same way. I think so. I think so. Though I would make the case. Kobe never sublimated, never became subordinate to a bigger cause. He wanted to win. It felt like to me he wanted to be the Mamba more than he wanted to win. He wanted to win a lot. Jordan, I think, with Phil Jackson, he changed. He was a guy that wanted 60 all the time. In the end, he wanted to win more than he wanted 60, it seemed like. I felt like Kobe always wanted the glory of him more than the winning. Though he wanted to win. Because it went hand in hand. Does that sound wrong to you? Maybe. I, I just, I mean, did you watch the Redeem Team documentary? It, uh, you know, I haven't. I want to. Yeah. It's really your takeaway. On it's that? just how Kobe, when they brought Kobe onto that team, he completely changed the entire mindset of the entire team. And But it was like practicing at 5 a.m., right? Yeah. Or whatever. Just, 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 and just the attitude. I mean, the way that he, you know, ran through Pau Gasol in the first time they played Spain to send a message to the rest of the team, like, hey, no one's your friends here. Like, you know, we, to get on, get on the same page of winning. And I just think that Kobe was next to Michael Jordan, the ultimate winner. So, so here's the way. That would we, win at all costs. If we could know this answer, it would tell, at least to me, what I'm talking about. Is I believe by the time Jordan won his first title, and that was against the Lakers, right, in 91, is he would have rather passed out to Steve Kerr or whomever, or Paxson, whatever, and if they had a 1% better chance to win, he'd want that guy shooting the shot 
to win. Mm -hmm. I think Kobe would accept 1% less for him to make the shot. That's well said. I mean, I don't know, because that's, in a way, I'm just speculating from the outside. Yeah. Mm -hmm. it, it, it felt like that. And since Kobe's glory in the team winning often was the same thing. Yeah. That maybe it wasn't obvious, but but I don't know. I mean, Kent, you weren't. Well, I have two, two thoughts on that. One is Kobe did become a lot more passive in the NBA Finals when they won three championships with Shaq because the matchup was Shaq had the advantage. The East didn't have centers back then. Yeah, but remember now, remember, Kobe wasn't even a top 10 player in the league at the time Shaq. He might have just entered into that. I mean, you look at the earlier rounds in the playoffs, they're some of the best series anyone's ever played, like 30 points per game on 60% shooting. Not in the Finals, though. He became a more secondary player. However, there's a reason why Shaq left. Because he was tired of doing that. And I think he wanted what you're saying, the glory. That's an interesting point is uh, Jordan never ran anyone that could win off. Mm -hmm. I mean, it was never me or Pip. But again, Pippen had, was subordinate. So maybe he would have. I don't know. I don't know. I never. I always felt a selfish vibe from Kobe. I know there's a lot of fans of Kobe. I'm a fan of Kobe. I always felt like a little selfish vibe with him that I didn't feel with Jordan. I, but I don't know. I, I guess maybe... Don't I remember right against Phoenix? There was a game against Phoenix when they were oh, yeah. losing. That's before, a great point. Before they got Gasol, in which he was like very – he pulled a LeBron. He had gotten tired of everyone saying he's a ball hog, so he decided, I'm not going to shoot this game. Exactly. Which is a pretty, you know mm. – I mean, could me, you me, see me Jordan doing that? Never. I mean, so I don't know. Yeah. Maybe we're – because, again, Jordan was certainly imperfect. You could say, why are you out golfing all night mm -hmm. or, or partying all night and golfing in the day if you want to win? Well, because he could. I don't yeah. know. I mean, it's or an Or in AC gambling before playing the Knicks. <laughs> now, here's the, here's the interesting thing, though, if you think about it, is I look at LeBron and I remember against Orlando, he passed up a shot, whipped it out to a guy shooting a three at the very end. He misses it. Everyone's like, LeBron's not Jordan. He would have taken that shot. But LeBron's answer was that was the better statistical chance to win. But you know what? I think there's a certain tenacity, and this is completely contradictory, that that you don't want to give up that shot, even if it is statistically a little better, which is like, well, then isn't it better what Kobe does? I don't know. But I think with LeBron, what we've seen is he, he's he been removed from winning in a way. He wants to win, but it feels like it's way down. Wherever it is for Kobe or it was for Kobe, wherever it is for Jordan or was, it feels like LeBron clearly it's lower on the list. Yeah. I'm thinking about the movie Hoosiers. Remember when the coach says, all right, we're going to use you as a decoy. And he's like, no, we're not. <laughs> I'm going to shoot a coach. <laughs> That's pretty good. But um, I haven't seen that all the way through. for, And I love Hackman, so I want to rewatch that. Um, I've seen it probably four times, but, you know, it's mm -hmm. been a while. Uh, I mean, Mackenzie hates LeBron. When you look at LeBron, where's he on the spectrum of, of, t of let's say, how much he cares about winning? I think. Well, I know. I no. I'm saying we know what you're <laughs> yeah. gonna say. Go ahead. No, I think he's below Jordan and Kobe clearly, yeah. Yeah. and I think he's more along the lines of like kind of what you're saying, like the the personal uh, glory and the records. He optimizes up, his stats. Yeah, above the team. See, I'm not even sure if it's that. I think he just cares about things off the court more than that. Like Jordan, I got no sense he cared about anything. He would do a movie, but as long as he could practice, mm -hmm. you know, and, and again, obviously he had his fun, but if you actually look, there's a guy who was his trainer that has a book out and apparently this guy, I mean, he's pretty hardcore. He was like saying, this has been a couple years ago. He was saying how after the final, I guess it would have been against Utah the second time after the shot and the pose and everything, he went up to him because I'm going to retire or whatever. And he said, uh, 
And I guess it wasn't certain because Jordan wanted to play. He just couldn't find this. Remember, there was a strike that season. That was the year that the Knicks won or got to the finals was the next year after that, if I'm not mistaken, right? I'm almost certain it was. In 94. And he cut, no, his, his, cut his finger so he couldn't play if he wanted to come back okay. that season? Okay. No, no, I'm talking about after the sixth title. That the was 99. Yeah, 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 exactly. Yeah. 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 So it was a strike, so it was hard for him to, you know, he might have wanted to play with another team. It just didn't happen, right? Um, at that point, he told his trainer, he goes, listen, I'm, I'm not going to play whatever. He goes, and if I ever see you again coming down my block, he goes, you better run. He was like <laughs> saying, I hate you so much. So, so like in a weird way that, that, that he worked so hard at it. And it feels like, and again, you could make the case what Jordan did wrong by his you know, culture or by his people, however you want to say it, because he really did acquiesce and accept things that you would say were against African-Americans, let's say, but he didn't want to offend Republicans, right? Republicans, Republicans buy, buy sneakers too. So yeah. the question is, is that something to glorify or is that something to say LeBron's better? Because LeBron has more hate to him because of his political stance than he would without it. Mm-hmm. Right. You agree with that, Mackenzie, right? Yes. So in a way, though, that's something you should appreciate. Right. Like you're a political guy and you the idea of someone taking heat or suffering financially for a cause that in an abstract appeals greatly. To it's you. funny. You say, in an abstract. Yes. I'm wondering if my basketball purity beats my po- political purity or, or what I want out of people. Uh, that's an interesting perspective. Now, let me ask you, when you say basketball purity, what is it succinctly about LeBron that, that, that offends your basketball purity? I think when he passes to George Hill with two seconds to go in a finals game, he's thinking I'm off the hook. Nothing Ooh. bad can happen. George Hill's going to make this, miss this. But I did the quote unquote right play. You know, I think he's got something there. Mm-hmm. I think he does. Yeah. Because I, this thing he just tweeted out or Instagram or whatever it was, it feels really. So you got that? Oh, who had that? Someone was talking about it, right? Uh, yeah, he said I'm supposed to be quoting a Jay Z lyric. I'm supposed to be number one on everybody's list. Let's see what happens when I no longer exist. I think you're going to be very much trying to get back in the public eyes. What <laughs> I think. <laughs> I mean, I don't know. You don't think the NBA will like pause for a season to mourn? But I will say this. How many TV stars as kids become good people? Very few, right? Because you got all that fame. It's hard. You're growing up. LeBron got as much fame as any basketball player at a young age ever. He was on Sports Illustrated as a junior, right? He was the chosen one. Mm-hmm. He was the king mm-hmm. when he was the age of a prince or whatever. He's pretty solid. I mean, I don't like him all that much, but you got to say he's not a screw up. He's, I mean, he's going to be the first bi- or one, of the, maybe the second billionaire behind Michael. I mean, the guy's doing a lot of things right. I think it's just I don't like. I, in a way, it's almost like that calculating nature helped him in that regard, but maybe hasn't in the fanatic fanaticism we want in our athletes. Because like Muhammad Ali fighting the thrill in Manila, and like probably getting Parkinson's over that kind of stuff is one of the reasons I love him. But it's insane to say that's something we want. We don't, like, hey, this guy can either not fight or fight and likely have a debilitating brain injury the rest of his life. It, you don't want to say, go fight, you know? Mm-hmm. But in truth, you appreciate it. Like a guy in in a war that, like, chases up a hill when it's like a 100 to 1 that he's going to make, he gets shot dead, you're going to think, that's a hero. But it's like, could you tell someone? I mean, Rocky Balboa. <laughs> I don't think well, I hear you. Though his brain injuries came and went, it seems like throughout the series. Too. Came with money. 
Yeah. yeah. When he had money, he when had, he had money. He was smart. When he lost the money, he was dumb. Isn't it usually yeah. the oh no no when he, no because in Rocky wasn't it Rocky four he had the money initially and he and was it, smart and then yeah, Rocky five when he loses his money he becomes an idiot again. Okay, but yeah. wasn't there some break? Okay, five was when he had the turtleneck the whole time, and then he fought on the street. Rock, Rock, Rocky five is when he got first. Um, th- they told me he had brain damage. But the, oh, in two it was a detached retina. Yes. That's why he couldn't fight. Mm-hmm. Then yes. he went he went right-handed. Yeah. Okay. No tricks. Everyone's thinking, is Scott going to do something? All right, so what? <laughs> let's say I'm going to let you. No tricks. No, no <laughs> tricks. I'm going to let you pick one more from any movie, but hopefully it will be related to his brain injury. But we'll do that at the very end of the show. Okay. You, you're going you're gonna to think of one, though? What do I need to think of? One, one, one moment. Yeah, one moment. Okay. But that has, has to be related to, to the brain injury. I think ideally. I okay, think ideally. gotcha. Or being punchy. <laughs> <laughs> That's what Polly called punchy. Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> All right, we got anything? All right, so Celtics, you're saying they, I guess you're not getting out what you want. What should they do? They should move on from Jalen Brown, whether that's a trade or just not signing him. Uh, so much is conflated when you talk about what the Jays have done for conference finals. I think it's a lot more Tatum than people realize. The stats break out a little bit. Even Let's just look at game sevens, though. Uh, before the show in pre-production, Fez was just like, uh, Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown always show up big in NBA final game sevens. And that's true. Well, not NBA final, in, in series game seven. Right. Yeah, yeah, exactly. They haven't had that. Uh, 55 points com- combined for the two. They're both, you know, that's higher than the, the average. But Jalen Brown only averages 21 of those points. He's been bad in game sevens, and we just conflate all the success that both of them have had. Mm. I want to see it where, and it's funny, because if Jalen Brown was with Michael Jordan or Kobe, I think he's fine. That's a perfect role for him. But Jason Tatum's not that guy. He doesn't want to go all well, me all here's the time. The, here's the problem with Brown being a Pippen. He doesn't play defense hard anymore. Yes, he's not better than Tatum or. I mean, White Brown was a defensive, you know, wizard initially, but it feels like that's really fallen away. You also got to wonder: is there residual resentment, lingering resentment from the trades, the potential trades that he hated? Mm. You know, and and it's almost people are saying he was ambivalent about getting All NBA. Because now it might have to be he stays with Boston because it's too much money to give up. But in truth, he wanted to get away. He was very noncommittal in the middle of the season when they asked him, do you want to be in Boston next year? So uh, he must believe in himself. I mean, obviously, he doesn't dribble particularly well for a basketball player. But he obviously has other skills. I find, Do you have any sense yet, and you're going to have to dig into it in the offseason, about these aprons and the different ways it's going to affect spending? Uh, just reading other reports, no uh, insight particularly, no. All right, so I think d- dig into that in the offseason because I think it's going to drive a lot of stuff. And doubling back and finishing about Miami, I think their ability to find players that aren't big money players but can step up. I mean, let's be candid. Multiple players that were undrafted, you could make the case, had a better series for Miami than Brown did for Boston. And if it's going to be two and a bunch of role players, you better be able to find those role players. And Miami seems to do it as well as anyone. I don't. We can say heat culture or whatever, but that's something we've talked about. Scott mm-hmm. was, I think, the driver of their success isn't how great Jim, Jimmy Buckets is. It's how amazing some of their undrafted guys are. Yeah. 
and it's the, the the team that they've put together. Or and maybe Pat Rowley deserves a lot a lot of credit, but it's coaching, it's organization, and it's what they've put around. It's the anti NBA NBA team that we talked about before. NBA being represented by like stars, yeah, yeah exactly. stars like centric around you know players or whatever. Like they have contributions from the other aspect from the other aspects. And you gotta love the way like a guy like Morning is is their front and center. Mm-hmm. What they've done with Haslam, obviously, yeah, he's like a player coach. Yeah, and he, he's a f- enforcer too. You don't want to yeah. mess with Haslam. So, uh, well, I don't know, Jokic and his brothers. It's <laughs> it's an interesting. It feels it feels almost like uh, uh, some kind of mafia sit down or something. Like you, you got your muscle, and it's gonna. It's exciting. It's exciting. All right. Any closing thoughts on the uh, or any picks or anything related to the NBA? I got my third quarter in game one. I think the series Denver third quarter minus two and a half mm-hmm. reduced yeah. vig. Thank you, Fred. Hey, there was reduced vig in the. I think it was minus one hundred eight, minus one twelve in the one spot. Um, I'm in my Jokic MVP. Uh, so well, we got our bet. That's on what I'm that. saying. Yeah. Anything else, Mackenzie? You got anything? I don't mean obviously, Mackenzie. You can get his premium stuff, but anything now? I kind of like the Nuggets. You can get them six to win to win next year's title. Huh? That's interesting. Six to one. Yeah, I mean, what were they entering the play? What were they entering the playoffs? Um, I'll have to look it up. Take a look. Take a look now. Wait a minute. How much do I tie up my money for two years? No, (laughs) one year. I know. Yeah, I hear you. I just don't think six to one. I mean, I'm interested to see what they were. I bet if they're six to one now, they were like eleven to one a couple weeks ago. So yeah, ten to one entering the playoffs. Yeah, so I you see, I, I think it's you're buying good. high right now yeah. with with Denver. Just been so impressed the, no, the, these playoffs. But again, is it any different than he's done all year when you didn't support him for MVP? You know, it's funny. <laughs> Pre Perkins comment, we talked about the Nuggets only had a so-so net rating. They were plus five per game, and then they were negative one the rest of the season. I really feel like they. Especially Jokic, he was like, I don't care about these accolades. I don't care about these stats. They kind of punted on the last month and a half of the season, which threw me off the scent because I'm like, oh, that's just the Nuggets being the Nuggets again. But if you look pre that date, pre-March 1st, essentially, they were one of the best teams in the league and they've only gotten better. And the question is, since they got the number one seed, if you said right. someone really screwed the pooch at the end of the year, well, what where is their seed? One. What could they have been? One. I mean, it's like they they had the best of both worlds. They didn't overstress themselves, right? But they kept enough continuity. And the funny thing is, the Joker's stats were just as good as the whole season, pretty much during that time when he did play. He just missed some games. Yeah, took a few games off. They lost. Yeah, but he didn't. He didn't miss the game that him and Embiid were supposed to go head to head. What happened in that game? Embiid played pretty. No, oh no, he did not play. He took a uh, break. He, it was it was called um, what's it called? Load management. Load management. All right, <laughs> I think listen, it was a hip. We'll be back next week. I mean, to talk NBA, we got obviously our NFL here and NHL too. But we'll be back, and at the end, the theme song stuff. But we'll be at the uh, here back next week for a check in. All right, Fez, you got something in the NHL. Let's go there first. Yeah, so Vegas Golden Knights make the Stanley Cup. There's going to be double liability for the sports books where they're already in trouble if the Golden Knights win the championship because of all the futures tickets that people have bet. Also, people in town are going to back the Golden Knights as well. So there's going to be a lot of pressure. The sportsbook's already looking at this liability, and they're going to say, look it, I'm going to price the Vegas Golden Knights 
more expensive than they should be in each and every game and for the series, in my opinion, mm. especially as we move towards post on all of the games because of that. So if you're looking to make some advantage plays, I would be very surprised if you didn't get some value betting Florida in the series and in, in individual games. Scott, your thoughts? Yeah, I think, uh, and I've been saying it throughout the playoffs, and, and you know, I, I, it's like I don't, I don't find pleasure in giving out high-juiced plays. But if you were someone that doesn't mind laying the juice, I think Florida at plus one-and-a-half goals in every game that they're an underdog is is a very solid bet because they're live dogs to win the game. All these games they've played in the postseason in Vegas, with the exception of maybe two, has been close games. I think there's absolutely something to the games being one goal decided games. If it goes into overtime, hey, you're a winner. We've seen overtime games a lot. Um, I also think that plus two and a half games in this series, again, mm. you got to lay a lot of juice for this. But if you're somebody that doesn't mind laying a little bit. Of, so what's the price on that one? Three and change. Okay. So one thing I saw. Right now, two and a half games is at Florida plus two and a half. My wow, one up. Minus 425. Okay. So one thing I've seen is it seems like Vegas gets a little lax when they get a lead in a series, which would really lend itself to this too, right? So, uh, right? Am I thinking about that right? Yeah. Yeah, they got up 3-0. They got 3-0, and then they, they lost, lost two lost games. Um, I just think that— Well, that, that that's what we want if yeah. we're taking the plus. Yes. Yeah. But I think—I mean, Florida has been led by their—it's been the most unlikely run to a Stanley Cup final, but it really is something that we— like I say with Miami, that we should have recognized. Like this, Florida was the President's Trophy winners last year. They had the best record in the NHL last year, and yeah, they made some roster changes. They brought in a guy in Matthew Kachuk, who's their MVP, and they're led by a goaltender who is a two-time Vesna Trophy winner, meaning he's the best goalie in the league for two years. Who won that award? He's playing out of his mind right now. Vegas is led by their defense. Their goaltender's playing well. I just think it's a very even series. I, and I, I could very easily see it going going seven. But six is, I would be shocked if it doesn't go six mm -hmm. games. So plus two and a half, I think it's worth laying the juice. Now, did Eddie on Cheers, did he ever win that award you're talking about? The goaltender, Carla's husband? No, but I think Sam Malone was uh, reliever of the year. Rolaids exactly, reliever of yeah. the year one time. Before yeah. he started drinking. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Question. If you were handicapping this series mm -hmm. with no regard to what exposure is or Vegas is home, on pure merits, what do you see as the price and what is the price? Meaning, are we seeing this, this um, bias to ha make Florida attractive? Are we seeing it in the number right now? So I don't think we are seeing a number. I think if Vegas was hev more heavily favored, that would be like trying to entice people right, on so, the other so side. You're saying I think the series is lined very close, so very close. The series price is? I think minus 130. All right, and you think on merit, that's what the two minus teams are? Minus 125, yeah. Is that what the two teams are? Yeah. So, Fez, I think they're that, closer than people think. Doesn't that, well, uh, the market yeah. thinks they're almost even. Yeah. Doesn't that go against your theory that there's all this premium that's going to be on them? When is game one? Saturday. Got plenty of time. The the, the bias is going to people bet. Eighty percent of the bets are going to come in in the in the twenty four hours before this before it starts. So it hasn't happened yet. We got to wait for it to occur. Okay. So in, in the, what is the tip? I don't know hockey. The home court or home ice. Mm -hmm. If they're even teams, one team's at home. What's the money line? 120, 125. All right. So what you're saying is the Golden Knights are what 10, 15 cents better. Then, then yep. all right. So what you're saying is Golden Knights at home should be about minus 140, 135 to 140. They're minus 135 game one. Okay. 
So now, Fez, what you're saying is we're saying that's the right price. Mm-hmm. If it goes up to minus 155, there's probably value on the dog. Exactly right. So we can kind of set some mm-hmm. trigger points here. And if you like the Golden Knights, bet them now. If you mm-hmm. if you live in Vegas and if you like— Before the bias gets applied. In if you like the Panthers, bet five minutes before it starts. But I was thinking I might just blind bet Florida because of this premium. But we're saying right now we don't think it's in there yet. No. Okay. Interesting. That's the hockey talk for the year. I got 10, oh. more, 10 more seconds. <laughs> I got the, this shows the inefficiencies of Las Vegas because the sports books are going to get their teeth kicked in if the Knights win. However, Vegas is actually going to win if the Knights win because of all— all right, but We're talking Vegas as sports books. Now we're talking Vegas as a city. Go ahead. Or Vegas as, as the casinos. So if I'm the MGM Grand, who cares if my sports book loses you know, 150000 on futures? Think of all the money I'm going to make from the parking, from the concessions, from the shows, from the restaurants. Not just during the Stanley Cup finals, but also the carryover going forward with the popularity of the Knights and them playing right in the, in the midst of all their casinos next year where they'll become even more popular. But this is what Tony said to the— Councilman, when he said, that's why you're in politics and you're not in business, maximum value. You, they can they can get themselves non-lopsided, evened up, and still benefit from all that. There, it's not one or the other. Well, but there's no reason to give it away, is it? Well, what, exactly. What, yeah. yeah so, so. so what you're saying is don't feel, don't cry for Argentina, don't cry for Vegas if they end up winning and thus the, they had to pay out a bunch of hockey batters because there's not, not that many hockey batters and the residual benefit for the city is big enough to make up for it. Mm, tenfold. All right. All right. That's our hockey talk. Honky tonk. <laughs> <laughs> I guess that's opposite in a way. All right. I mean, I guess there's a lot of Southern hockey teams. Doesn't that seem weird? Like Phoenix. Does that seem like a hockey city? Well, they won't have, it won't be for long. Is that, is that how oh, it's they're going? gone? They, they, they have no place to play. Wow. They're going to vote vote to relocate that. I I have one question for Scott, because it used to be that the cooling systems weren't as good and that there was an angle Mm -hmm. that in the south you would play under because the ice was crappy in the summertime, but that's no longer a factor. No. Look at the final four teams. I mean, the final four teams were all – Raleigh, North Carolina was the northernmost city left of the final four teams. Okay, so no problem with Florida with their ice conditions despite – How many times should he say it? No, let me ask you one more time. Is there any (laughs) problem with the ice? No, no, okay. no problem with you the ice. They have these. They have these I things. If the ice is an issue. They got oh. these giant like trucks that drive around like in be- in between the They're periods. They're Zamboni. Yeah. <laughs> well, they always had those, and back in the eighties, and there was a big issue. In the eighties, how old are you? Old. <laughs> Bosom buddies. What? Why five zero? Not not the one that was on ten years ago. Not Scott Con's version. <laughs> That's funny. The grainy footage. On... <laughs> I think well, Tom Hanks was 21. <laughs> so. All right. Let's go to the NFL. This is fun. We're not going to belabor it. It's going to be five weeks with four picks. And each of us are going to pick a each week or four of the weeks. You can have a pass or a vacation week. We're going to have a um, over-under bet. Now, we're not going to over-explain this now because we're finalizing the rules, but here's the rules that matter. We're going to make it hard to bet the same thing someone else's bet. All right? So if Fez says Team X under, if you want to bet Team X under two, there comes at a cost. We'll figure, we're going to figure out that exactly, tell you next week. This week, we've already put it written down our picks. There's no match. 
AJ is missing, but he'll have then the next four, you know, four the next four weeks to make a pick. Right? He likes the best team over and the worst team under. <laughs> Maybe, but let's listen. He had a very good year. He had a good year in number two. If you want to mouth off, mouth off when he's here. Yeah. <laughs> but <laughs> he could beat me up. <laughs> exactly. But <laughs> um what's really fascinating, and you can explain this, Scott, is that what, what website has this? We're using DraftKings because right. they have lines on alternate totals. Okay, so here's the thing. Let's say the line's over eight or eight and you like over. What happens if it falls nine, 10, 11, 12? Within a wide range here, they've got these various increasing payouts as mm -hmm. you take the alternative line more and more extreme. Whatever one you achieve, whatever the biggest one you achieve, that's the payout you're going to get. So use an example. Uh, let's say, okay, Falcons. Well, why don't we do it with Fez? We'll give Fez's pick, sure. and we'll do it for that one. So, Fez, what's your first pick of the four? San Francisco 49ers under 11 wins. You're relentless with that. So I, I got to tell you real quick, uh, here, this is the ultimate simplicity of handicapping, uh -huh. all right? I want to play NFC teams under, all right? I want to play unders in general. Why, why is that? Because the NFC teams have nine road games. All right, so there's the schedule is slightly stacked against them, and everyone who makes the strength of schedules never reflects the fact you got that extra road game. Now, for the, the strength of schedule count for if the game's home or away? It doesn't. They just count, they just take your 17 opponents. Well, Nobody that, does it correctly. That seems bad. All right, yeah. I guess we'll fix that. Let's All right, do that for next week. Then the second aspect is I historically, if you did nothing but play, and I don't have the exact numbers in front of me, I apologize, but play every team that's lined above 10 wins to go under. This has been very profitable over like the last seven years. And remember now, there was a long period that I believe the same thing. Then there was about three or four years that they all went over the, the high totals. Now it's kind of reversed itself. Exactly right. So there's only two NFC teams total above 10, and one of them's the Eagles, who I'm convinced money is going to keep coming in on the over. So if I want to bet that, I'm going to bet it in September. That leaves me with one team, one NFC team above 10 that isn't going to steam up, and that's the Niners, so I'm playing the Niners under. Now the rationale why high totals go under – is in general, casual fans are drawn to winning teams. Thus, there's a little extra money on them. Thus, it's inflated. Yes. So, Mackenzie, yes, we're going to give you a chance to rebut. Do you like the over with Sam Fran? I did last year. I Well, that's interesting. But <laughs> this year... I kind of do. And Fez asked me pre-production, I'm like, oh, I'm neutral. But if I'm honest with myself, I think Purdy's still underrated. You know, he's not the 30th best quarterback where all these people rank him. I but think let's, he's let's be, be honest. This is a, a like almost – I just read a lot about this surgery. Like if he, if he would have had to do the full Tommy John and they didn't know till they opened him up, he would have been like not thrown until October or something. I mean, it, like it's very lucky that this new experimental surgery maybe could work. But there's some real uncertainty. Wouldn't we agree with that? Sure. And you, then the alternative yeah. is Sam Darnold. I think the alternative is Trey Lance. I don't think anything's happened since week two of last year. You guys think I'm crazier and crazier. What's happened since we talked week two of last year but when he played one game in one quarter? You Listen, your uncle, as most people know, your first biological uncle, uncle is Mike Shanahan. Thus, you are first cousins with Kyle Shanahan. You have a family connection. But I think that causes a little bias, yes. And we accept that. You're not biased. Well, maybe against LeBron. But otherwise, you're not biased. But... Can't you agree that being somewhat on the inside, not that you guys were hanging out every day, but someone on the inside, you know the truth of a situation 
that's talked about amongst the coaches, amongst the administrators, is different than what the public hears. Yeah. But what ends up happening is people all have their confidants in the press. They whisper it to them off the record. And then those people eventually start to say what they believe, but not attributing it. And it seems like the narrative of the John Middlecoffs, who is very connected to the 49ers, for example, and those kind of guys, is that Trey Lance is, at this point, a throwaway. That It's like they are so disappointed. I, I haven't gotten that impression at all. Well, no, th- not you're not th- listening. You're I guess not-, not. I mean, I'm watching or I'm listening to the most recent reports on spring training camp. No, no, we're not talking about what the shows. We're not talking. Yeah, doesn't that, think about this for a minute, how bought in, how much Kool-Aid this mother has had to drink to think it's good news that entering year three. I mean, he's still. McKenzie, are you allowed interrupting? Sorry about that. I'm going to, Fez, how good-natured am I being right now? Extremely. Oh, Wow. But still, you know when someone doesn't want you to make their point, they want to interrupt and stop the valid point. All right. <sighs> Fez, let me ask you. I won't turn his mic off. Let me ask you. Doesn't it seem weird that entering year three, that the big exciting news is during a boot camp of like a week he learned to throw? <laughs> Your number three pick quarterback that had three first rounds by year eleven, he'll be reading zone coverages. I mean, I mean, McKay, let's be candid for a second. It is a little concerning that the big news is he now knows how to throw. Maybe. Well, that was always his biggest question mark. As a quarterback, that's a pretty big question mark. <laughs> I think he's rock solid except for that throwing part. <laughs> and, and by the way, he doesn't run very well. And we got either. a lineman. He's, yeah, learn, I, he's I learning how to block. <laughs> Go ahead, McKenzie. I think if you ask Kyle Shanahan, you can get Tom Brady in his prime mentally, reading plays, everything else. But he's uh, the 28th best thrower of the football. Sign me up. I think he's ready to go with that. But except it's the opposite. It it seems like the lack of experience. Do you get a sense that the Trey Lance is like above and beyond as a guy who's reading coverages and such? Yeah, I think that's why they drafted him. And I I think that's, yeah, I think his football IQ is a, a strong point. And you could tell that at North Dakota State. Yes. I mean, that's what Greg Zerline talked about pre-draft. Remember, that he doesn't know me. He doesn't know the 49er. He's talking about reading NFL-style offenses, calling the coverages and everything, calling what the front line. In Division Two, He was advanced at that. <laughs> Let me ask you, Scott. You try to stay pretty neutral on these goofy things. Mm-hmm. How crazy does that sound to you? That Trey Lance's main selling point was his intellectual abilities. Yes. Crazy. A little bit. All right. Explain that. Dude, it's because he was a physical marvel, they thought, with hardly any experience. So they were betting on raw talent. All, I mean, of- all the money came in on Justin Fields, who's more athletic, uh, to, to draft him. And I said, no, I don't see that at all. I see uh, unproven, un- unpolished guy that they think has top-end potentials in other areas besides just athleticism. Because they could have gotten that in Justin Fields. Well... I think the Justin Fields thing, in hindsight, you do realize that Justin Fields has a ton more value right now. In oh, sure. Trade. Okay. So, though I'm not an optimist for Fields, but at least a minimum, it seems like he could be an amazing halfback. I mean, not that he'd ever do that probably mm-hmm. because you feel like you've given up on your dream or whatever. Who knows? We, listen, we've litigated this at length. I would say this in general, especially in the last year or so, I am very impressed, not impressed. I'm very optimistic about your reasoning ability. 
I would make the case his NBA performance has been really shockingly good, meaning it's like this guy has an instinct to handicap the NBA. And I say that as sincerely as I can. Your thinking is so muddled on this Trey Lance, in my opinion. And wouldn't you agree, of all the people you know, if you had a category of those whose logic and intellectual rigor you respect, that I'd be on the list. High on the list. All right, thank you. So if I tell you that I think it's very fuzzy, you've got to pause a second, right? Sure. All right, I think you should. I think you should write like a report up on this and really think about it. Because my understanding is they can't get a three for him. They want to get rid of him for a three. And they, no one wants to give up a three. Not three first-rounders, a three. And why bring in Sam Darnold? And let's think about this. Sam Darnold is supposedly the savior here if Purdy has physical problems. That's Fez, that backs your pick up pretty strong. People have been talking about him for MVP, 50-1, to 1, Sam Darnold. But who would they bring in where it's like, oh, well, they obviously trust Trey Lance a lot because they brought in X? Well, I mean, let's ask ourselves. Trey Lance is making like $11 because, I mean, if you're the three pick and you're in year three, you start making real money. I think it's like 10 or 11. Who has a third string? Let's assume Trey Lance a second. Who has a third string quarterback making as much as Sam Darnold? He's probably the highest priced third string quarterback in the NFL. So that that seems to imply a lack of confidence, doesn't it? Because they let's be honest, the 49ers don't have a ton of money to be spreading around. Cap it is five million. That's a lot for a third stringer. I, I mean, like remember, like or Andy Dalton when he went to Chicago, he was like a premium backup was ten. So I mean, like it, you know, you can get a really good backup. I mean, what I'm saying is there was a bidding war for Sam Darnold. Now that might be insane, <laughs> but there was. All I know is this. I think the 49, I think you got a good pick here because I don't love it because it's moved a half a game, but I, because it was 10 and a half, right? Or 11 and a half, however. There were 11 halves. Yeah. 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 But um, it does, I do think the variance on San, I think San Frank could win the Super Bowl. If if Purdy comes back and he's 100% and that, there's some issues on the line too. I mean, they lost, what, McClincock or however you say his name? Yeah, right tackle. And they haven't done anything with him. Like They, they, they haven't really drafted anyone high. I mean, they didn't no. have high draft. They picked e- the Elevated kid. the sixth offensive lineman. Yeah, which now means you're thinner. I mean, it's a problem. Who knows what's going to happen, though, right? But I think that they might have the best offense other than quarter. In fact, I think they clearly have the best offense other than quarterback, right? They a full season of McCaffrey now. Yeah, yeah I mean, sure. I, I think they – but I also think – Right now, if somehow Purdy goes down for the year, I think their over and under would be like seven and a half games. I mean, if Sam Darnold is starting, like what is the over under with Sam Darnold or Trey Lance starting? Let's call them the same. Oh, it's still nine and a half. Nine and a half. Well, then I'm making the biggest bet. Mm. That can't be. That, what team has ever had a below average quarterback that's, that's been supposed to win more than 50% of their games? And Sam Darnold is not the Titans. <laughs> well, except, no. well but, but if you actually look at yeah. the numbers, yeah, Tannehill's good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, like it never happens, Fred. I, You're right. You're right. I mean, let me think. Let me think. I'll come up with some. Yeah, I, let's uh, Jacksonville, Blake Bortles. But they weren't supposed. Remember, they had one winning year, and they weren't supposed to be near that good that year. But I think the year after, they're aligned to nine and a half. Except Blake Bortles had people. First of all, Blake Bortles was probably as I don't know. I think he was the twentieth best quarterback. Probably it was yeah. a financial thing, yeah. or they signed him to a second contract. But it, I don't know. He had a good year that year. I don't. Let's just say this. Sam Darnold does not have it within his ability to have a year like Bortles did. At least as far as I've seen. 
Mm-hmm. The real question is if you had, uh, uh, here's the last question. If you had a choice between Sam Darnold starting the whole year or Trey Lance with your underbat, Sam Darnold. You'd want- oh no, no, Sam Darnold's better than than Trey Lance. <laughs> I, yeah, I I feel. I mean, I mean, Trey Lance obviously has a higher ceiling. Yeah, I agree with that too. Yeah. I yeah, I think you're actually right. Is if I had like a bet where the variance mattered, I would want Trey Lance because I think Super Bowl bet. I think yeah, I think we know how the top line of Sam Darnold, right. and it's not good at all. Yeah. But he's worth five million. Imagine that. The funny thing is, who's been the biggest bust at quarterback the last seven years? Josh Rosen, right? Probably, yeah, yeah, yeah. If not Trey Lance, I mean, Zach it's still, Wilson. Yeah, yeah. I think he's right up there. But remember, Josh Allen, or, or I'm sorry, um, Josh Rosen. Josh Rosen was out, was already traded and cut like after year one. So let's just say it's. And but, he was one and out in both teams, right? After, then he had another couple. You know, I think Buffalo had him for a while. Whatever. And then well, the 49ers had him, right? For a little while? Uh, I think in camp. Yeah. They didn't keep him. Yeah. So we didn't keep him, he said. Mm-hmm. Is But what's interesting is Josh Rosen has made more money in contracts after his first one <laughs> than he did even in that first one. So it's like that if you have a pedigree, they will try you three or four times no matter what, which is interesting. Okay. Scott, what's your pick? Bucks under six and a half wins. Okay. Now this feels like you're you're it's low and you're thinking it's going lower. What's the rationale? Yeah. Uh they don't have a quarterback. I mean, it, it I guess you want to say maybe Baker Mayfield's going to be their starter, but I think they're going to I think Kyle Trask is probably going to be their starting quarterback this season. And I, as much as I love the kid in Florida, I actually had a Heisman bet on him. I don't think he's ready to be an NFL starting quarterback. And I think the Bucks for everything that they, you know, lo- lose if Tom Brady's gone and I just don't trust Todd Bowles as a head coach, and I think this team is really trying to move into the next phase of their franchise, which will be drafting a quarterback, hiring a new head coach, starting over. Since all those coaches are connected with this coaching staff, and chances none of them or hardly any of them would be retained, this is certainly not a lost year to them. Bowles wants to win as much as anything. Mm-hmm. So why would he play Trask? Why wouldn't he play Baker? That's what I'm thinking. Or unless Trask is better, which somehow, which, which is unlikely. Yeah. So my point is, if we believe that they have even a little bit of motivation to not worry all that much, I like your pick. I actually think Tampa's going to try not to lose. Now, maybe the front office might sabotage him a little bit, mm-hmm. but isn't Light also on the hook to some degree? I mean, how bad? I mean, it's going to feel like Tom Brady saved them, but mm-hmm. before Brady, they were seven and nine. After Brady, they sucked. To what degree do you get benefit of the doubt if you're the GM at that point? None. I I, I believe it's a total clean house. I think we're going to see a complete refresh of the Tampa Bay Bucks next after this season. But that is got to be at the ownership level that yeah. even the GM and the coach wants to win this year. Mm-hmm. Okay, and it still can go under. It's yeah, just- but I, I I don't think Todd Bowles is a Good head coach. Mm-hmm. We've seen it with the Jets. And we've seen it with the Bucks. He's just not a good, great, great defensive coordinator. Not a good head coach. What's your thoughts on this bet? I would lean under. Yeah, I agree. I think so too. It just feels like now. What was it? What was the opening number on this mechanic? What kind of movement have we had? Six and a half. It's now minus one thirty to the under. All right, so we actually didn't go through what the payouts are. So give me an example of the payouts on this, the way we're betting this. Okay, so Tampa Bay, if it goes under— Let's uh, assume they win four games. Assume they win four games. Well, the under four and a half on the alternate under is plus 240. 
So by me choosing under, if they go under, if they win four games, I win 240 mm-hmm. on my if bet. If they win nine games. If they win nine games. So now they go over not just the six and a half, but the alternate number of eight and a half. Ooh. Well, under eight and a half is minus 425. Uh-oh. So I would lose that bet. Yes. So I would lose 425. Okay. So that is an interesting point. You're risking if you go on the wrong side of the bat and you're gaining if you go on the yes, right side. You're getting, you're getting rewarded mm-hmm. if they go in completely in the direction you think they're going to go. So is this called index batting? Or I've heard it that. used to call, be called action point. Okay, batting. action point. Yeah. So you can do something where you bet a total over 200 and for 100 a point, and if it goes 210, it's 1,000 bucks. Exactly. They usually okay. cap it at either 10 or 20 points, okay. 10 being the more common, I believe, if I remember correctly. That, on Joe Rogan once, um, Artie from the old from the Stern show was talking about this, and he was like cackling. He goes, "But then you bet a thousand on it, and then it, you know, he was just so junky." They'll go to three overtimes. <laughs> That's an interesting point too, right? All right, Mackenzie, what do you got? Uh, on that theme, I feel like I have a very high uh, floor here with the Green Bay Packers over seven and a half. Okay, didn't go over San Fran. That would have been interesting, but. I tend to like this. So it's a bet. But I would say there seems to be high variance. What happens if Jordan loves a disaster? Yeah. Wouldn't be good. I mean, even with a disaster quarterback, they could win six, seven games. So I'm mm. not. Yeah. I mean, obviously, it's not a lock to go over. But I just feel like their lowest they do is six wins. Does it worry? Does it worry you? Six and 11. Does it worry you that defense is less? sticky and thus what you're hanging your hat on is a d that was supposed to be pretty good but really wasn't that last year that was actually an encouraging point to me they were the number one rated defense by a lot of you know preseason analytics or preseason guys and they were average or worse than average if that talent is still there maybe you you roll the dice again in their top 10 all right that's an interesting but I'm, I'm not sure how much the current number has to do with the failings of the defense last year they but. got their cornerback after a year of injury alexander he should be better I'm having a flashback, RJ. You've got a better memory than I. Right. I think it's like around 2000 and, and it's 16 maybe. Like we're at, we're at some sushi place. Okay. And we're watching and I've got oh, Green okay. Bay and they're playing the Vikings. And, and, and it Roger, was a playoff game. I was telling you how the books weren't going to take action once no, they no. had a, a lot of players. It wasn't no, different. This, this okay. was when Rodgers was out. All so right, I right. had Green Bay. I think it was the same place. We were and, watching and it. They, well, it could be, and they, yeah, it could have. Could, yeah. could, and it was like the, the Green Bay didn't score the whole game. All right, so it's like without Rodgers. And like, and, and I was stuck with the wrong side with the Packers without a quarterback. So maybe I'm biased from how painful that dinner was. Here's the thing. Sometimes we got to appreciate the teams know more than we know, and we got to look at their actions. Now, I think it's two sides on this one. On one, we could say they didn't exercise the 50-year option. They actually signed him to a 50-year that was at – it was, let's say, a team-friendly number, but mm-hmm. it still gave some guarantees. So it was a guy in a weak position, in theory, Jordan Love, taking less, right? He could have bet on himself and say, no, I'm going to pull the um, the the Giants with um, Mr. Daniel, Daniel Jones. Jones. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because he they didn't give him anything. Nope, he dominated, let it, let it got $40 million or mm-hmm. whatever, times mm-hmm. three or whatever it is, some crazy number. Um, so on one hand, they are willing to trade. They didn't have to trade Rodgers. They were willing to trade him. It had to be some optimism about love. On the other hand, they didn't want to exercise the fifth-year option. But maybe they would have, but they were able to fool the agent. So I don't know. I think there's two sides of this. 
I like it though, because I think it's a low number. I mean, it just feels like it, it's hard to imagine it being lower. So I actually like it. What do you think? I hate NFC overs. Okay, okay. <laughs> I'm like, I'm, I'm going back to like, like, like we're like, I'm just following the, the you know, the, the big picture script because I haven't done enough work yet to really go dwell, get into the nuts and bolts of it. Now, could this be? Could this be, Fez, that you? We did a quarterback draft, which, by the way, we're doing next week again. And you had you traded up to take Aaron Rodgers last oh. year. <laughs> so there might be some lingering. I remember it's too many the Bay of Pigs, so Tampa Bay and Green Bay. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> All right, my pick. It's not going to surprise close listeners to the show, but I got to tell you, it's it's a crazy number. I'm going over the New England. Patriots. Now, if you haven't seen the number yet, most of you probably have. Think about what number would be right to you. All right? Write it down. What do we, what's our number look like right now, Scott? Seven and a half. Okay. Now, is there are the Patriots playing 15 games? No. They're playing 17. Okay. So the way I lose this bet is Bill Belichick loses 10 games. Correct. Or a, a tie, I guess, in theory. That That is very true. 10 games. So if, I, if they go under 500, I can still win. That is correct. Faz, make the K. I, 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 so the the naysayers, the poo-pooers, as I call them sometimes. Well, I started just now. They say it's a tough schedule. But you just kind of debunked the whole schedule idea. They don't account for home. They don't account for away. But go ahead. Well, they do play the, the toughest schedule mm-hmm. in the NFL based upon the expected season wins of all their opponents. Buffalo's inflated. Jets are inflated for sure, but go ahead. So, but even when you adjust for that, it's worth, and you've done yeoman's work on this, it's worth less than a win. So, if you assume New England's an average team, if they played an average schedule, they should be eight and a half. So, because there's a really hard schedule, they should be 7.75, not seven and a half. 7.75. Yeah, so Mackenzie and I did some work on this, and we figured to go from the hardest to average was about 0.75, and then the same 0.75 to go from average to the easiest. So one and a half games between 32 and number one, and then obviously some fraction of that otherwise. So the question you need to answer is, is there a cumulative negative effect for having to play tougher opponents over the course of the season? Because just, just adding up the individual games is not going to get you all the way down to 7.5, but... If you have to stack harder opponents, do you get more physically fatigued? Is it more difficult? That's the question you have to ask yourself. And I think that's – I think that I see your point, but I also would say one thing. Belichick, the way they're tested by fire just generally, it feels like they get – I think the Patriots gained – remember they had that stretch when they played Tampa Bay in week four, like Brady's first year – and then they played Dallas, right? And there was all That's these. That's the one they lost on the last yeah, second missed, field goal in yeah, the rain. Yeah. yeah. Is it feels like the Patriots actually gained strength from tough games, but maybe that's just, you know, me projecting on Belichick. But I also would say it matters how physical the teams are. If you're playing the Eagles, who they play in week one, which I think is an advantage because you have all that prep, more prep time in theory. Mm-hmm. But Plus, I, you get the Super Bowl hangover, so you get them the right week to, 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 oh, that's to, interesting. to get them. And so, you know, but but if you look at it, you know, it's funny. I'm going to kind of now give this out to some degree in the next couple of weeks. But I actually, and Mackenzie helped me with this. We got the, the whole schedule. All the lines were out. And then I did a solver on what would have to be the power rating to have the mean square error be minimized in every game. Because we had it for every game. So it was like, okay, let's assume that everyone's even. All right, what's 
a zero. What's the mean square? Mm-hmm. All right. Now, what they do is just by brute force make a team 0. 0.1, 0. 0.2, 0. and they go through every permutation, and it gives you actually the power ranking of the team. Based upon the spreads that are it, currently out there. Yes. Yep. The biggest variance of all games, meaning the power rating that, that minimized the error, but it was off on this game, was the Philly-New England game was off by five points. And no other game was off by much more than three. It was crazy. There's something about this week one that, that that they're really giving New England. What line did you see on that game? They're giving New England. Philly's laying four and a half to five right now. And that game is where? Game is at New England. Okay. That's interesting. Maybe I had a, I don't remember because that's, uh, okay. So what, like you haven't done your full power ratings, but where do you have New England generally? Right around even? Uh, yeah, again, I actually have my power ratings. Uh, I have them at zero. Okay. Even. So we're assuming— I have Philly five points better than average. So what you're saying is you think if, if your power ratings are right, that I'm probably got a quarter game edge in this, and then the question is, are, is New England just a little bit better, maybe? Exactly. Is what I think. Exactly. Okay. And the reason I think they are is, one, I think Belichick's extra motivated. I'm sure we've heard, you know, to some degree when you hit 70, 71, you're going to wonder how hard they work. and. I think Belichick is 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 want to stop this Brady narrative. Like, oh, it was all Brady, mm. passionately. Number two, for the first time in memory, he made a real mistake. It seems, and again, I'll say it seems because I don't know all the details. But you know, the whole thing with the OC being a defensive guy, not to mention laminated paper <laughs> and and pencils in his ear. I mean, a lot of crazy things <laughs> is. They're, they've run off. They've been both run off. Judge and I always forget his name. Patricia. Patricia. And I, I don't. But O'Brien, who's a mighty good head coach, forget GM, but a mighty good head coach. He's OC now. That is a big step up. They've actually hired a true lineman line coach. He's the one coach that you could, you could give a, cor- a crappy quarterback to, and he could still win nine games and get you a wild card. Think about some of those teams that that he made took the play. So to me, and Mac Jones, how much? Let's just say this. Mac Jones was worse in year two. It's very rare that a quarterback's worse in year two. How much of that was Patricia? I think, in theory, a lot. And a lot of internal problems between him and Patricia. And, and some— Maybe justified. Yeah, maybe some with Belichick. But you know what? It sounds like, you know, as long as you have a good buffer with your your OC, you're, you're going to be fine. First off, Belichick was mad at him. He wasn't mad at Belichick. Yeah. If he's mad at Belichick, he should just pack up his bags. That's right. Go, huh? Because how could you— But again, who knows, right? But if you, if you stuck it out with Sabre, you're probably okay, right? I mean, you're probably kind of tough, right? So um, (laughs) that's my rationale. I'm happy to hear the counterpoint. What do you think? Well, I mean, the the bottom line, like I said, I'm just, I think it's a big benefit to be able to play in Arizona, a Houston. You can exhale. You've got an easy week, you know. It's not like they don't have any easy games. I know, but they've got far few easier ones than anybody else. So no, 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 that's not true. How much different could their? I mean, how could their schedule be tougher with the third schedule in the division than it would be the number two schedule or the number one? How could Buffalo have an easier schedule? It doesn't make sense. It doesn't make sense. So yeah. maybe we should question right away some of these. Not you know, in general. I'm, like I said, I'm gonna have to dig into like, I the, think like you the specifics so, because like 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 to use an example, like you, you get the Vikings. I mean, the Vikings aren't a 13 win team; they're an eight and a half win team. But in know, general, so. if you look at the AFC, mm-hmm. Kansas City's the one. So New England now maybe they play Kansas City anyway because of the division. I think they do now. Yes, I they think do. About, okay, but now it's like you don't play Cincinnati. Because Buffalo is going to have to play Cincinnati. Yeah. 
Actually, I don't think they'd play Baltimore in theory because nope. they were they the number the two. Yeah, so Pittsburgh's a much easier game than Cincinnati. Mm-hmm. So right there, how's Buffalo? You know, I don't get it. So, but what, it's all baked into the number, and and the numbers well, say they're, I'm they're saying, playing the, well, the hardest. First off, you didn't do the numbers. You're looking at yeah. other numbers. Who That's knows right. what kind of numbers they got? But what eyeballing their schedule, what seems to be like the thing that would be harder than Buffalo? Because right there, Cincinnati, Pittsburgh jumps uh, out. Yeah, well, at Pittsburgh. So, yeah. but that, those are going to even out in theory. Yeah. What what NFC division do they play? They play the East, so they, they're at Dallas. So they're, oh, oh, so their swing game in the yeah. NFC is against the Saints, by example. So that's really unlucky that they. they what we just said the Saints are an average team. RJ, but they have an easy RJ, schedule. their swing games against the NFC. They only have one game against the NFC yeah. South, and they drew the worst possible option. But what I'm saying is maybe against the NFC South. But the the fact is they play an average team. How unlucky can that be? Very, because all the other teams are well below average. But, but Fez, I don't think you understand. We're not looking at it. Is let's assume they're playing the NFC South, and we're looking at it more globally. They've got one swing game in the NFC, and it's against a dead average team. Yes. So that can't be that horrible, can You're it? Right. You, I mean, no, and, and the- what's illustrative is that, and that this game does show you why the, 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 this one, the line on this game says you're going to win this bet. Okay. The Saints are lined at nine and a half. Mm-hmm. Okay. But we think that's because they have a very easy schedule. That, that, that's right. So New England's lined at seven and a half. New England hosts the Saints. Home field is not worth three, and New England's laying three, and no one is in any hurry right now to take the Saints plus three in that game. What were you going to say? I was going to say, you lose the advantage of the extra home game because that extra home game is an international game. Well, these, I mean, I, I hate that for the Steelers, whenever the Steelers have, mm-hmm. but in general, it feels like Belichick's ability, when they played in Mexico City and they dominate, whenever there's these vagaries of travel or whatever, he seems to be on top of it. I so, agree with that. So that maybe, they, mm-hmm. you know, but I agree. I'd rather it be a home game. You know, sure. it's a home game for them. So yep. I, I don't like the fatigue angle on it either, just going overseas. But they got to buy the next week. And it's a pretty, it's surrounded by a pretty easy schedule because you're home against How Washington. How could that be? You're home against Washington. Then you have to go to Germany to play the Colts. Then you come home for the bye week. Then you play the Giants. You know, it's not like it's not like you're playing the Chiefs and the Bills, yeah, yeah. you know. <laughs> yeah, so I like it. Um, Anthony Richardson, I'm hearing more love for him. The whispers are getting loud. The, I mean, I would say, Fez, is whatever you're thinking anti-Colts, probably time to settle it off. I mean, I'm not saying reverse bet. I'm saying I, I'm really hearing some good things. Are you catching any wind of this? No, I've been betting them. I've got to be honest. I've been betting MLB and betting WNBA. Yeah. You know, it's like it, it, it's like at some point I can't, like, like devote, like, 10 hours a week to the to the yeah, NFL absolutely. this time and, of year. Again, to be honest with you, I'm not sure it economically makes the sense. I mean, obviously, you got to be ready by the season. And the beauty of our weekly stuff is it makes – if it fixates you on it for that time period, which I think is good. You know, quarterback draft next week. And I do I do think like having the basic strategy of the season, I don't think anyone understands the mm-hmm. season win numbers and the, and the the big picture as well. Or, or let's say better. Better. Yeah, yeah. that's well said. <laughs> I mean, let's be diplomatic. Yes. yes. But I think you're right at the top of that list, no doubt. Um all right, I think we're good, right? Anything else? It's a good good stuff. Now, so what we're gonna do is we're gonna let you're gonna have the time shift coming up and you're going to hear the great conversation on theme songs. Fez, we'll have it. You know what we'll do? We'll wait and and do it. Let's li- we'll listen back and laugh and then we'll come in at the end. So enjoy and we'll talk to you at the very end.
Why don't we do you? Well, we got to do our theme songs first. Mm. So, Scott, you you if you want to pick three, you can. I'll pick three because I'll give you different criteria. All right. So, one, the, the criteria of the theme song that best fits the show. Okay. Meaning, I'm, I'm going to write mine down. So, okay. If you get mine. So, we'll the theme song that best fits the show, which means it's perfect for the show. It describes the whole show. It's the Brady Bunch theme. Oh, it describes the here's whole a show. Story. Exactly. Lovely lady. Now, uh-huh. two. Bring up the you have to go popularity, okay? And we're talking now a theme song that like maybe went on to chart on the Billboard charts, right? <laughs> so if you think of that aspect of it in terms of popularity uh-huh. beyond the show. Yeah, so this is just a good song in a vacuum. I don't know if it's a good song, but it charted. Yeah. You would have to go with the Friends theme song uh. because it was actually a song that was out in pop culture. Uh-huh. And not just the Friends theme song. Now, if you want staying power, if you want something that people are still singing years and years later. For the women out there, Scott is single. So if you want to write in, (laughs) go ahead, go ahead. (laughs) It's clearly the Fresh Prince of Bel-Air because people are still still singing it years, decades later. And will continue, continue to still be singing it decades to come. That, that is good. That is good. Oh, I, I I won't sing that one, but uh, <laughs> okay, Fez, you're not going to do near as well as this. We'll see. <laughs> I have five. Five. Two of them have no lyrics to them. Okay. He's going to say Mash Hill Street Blues. Okay. The- I bet the, the kids are clamoring for that one. <laughs> Theme from Hawaii Five O. What year were you born? <laughs> Three with lyrics. That was that Tom Selleck guy, right? <laughs> Bosom Buddies, My Life by Billy Joel. Do you know anything before, after 1979? <laughs> I may be going backwards from there. The other two, Laverne and Shirley. Now that that gets a good one. That's and good Happy one. Yeah. Days. No. Well, no Happy Days. Oh, hold comes. on to that Brady Bunch category of it fits the show. Oh, wait a minute, wait a minute. <laughs> the original Happy Days season one, it was like a real, like... 50s hit that they go one, two, three o'clock, four, four o'clock. o'clock. Then later they got some generic version. Weekend which, comes, the cycle runs. Yeah. Wondering what to do. <laughs> I think you got half those words <laughs> these days. <laughs> Happy to be free. All right. All right. I think that was that was better than I expected by far. You made up for it at the end. Mackenzie's mad you stole Fresh Prince. Well, Mackenzie, what do you got? I'm not making this up. I put it down before. I had Laverne and Shirley as my favorite with lyrics, and Succession as my favorite without lyrics. Oh, I agree with him Ooh. with Succession. The, the, the general background music mm-hmm. in that mm-hmm. is, and he strong actually, piano. Yeah, it's great, and the way they put it in in these poignant moments. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm actually not into this season yet. What oh, is you it? Thirty-six and no. twenty-five. Uh, so somebody's ranking. Yeah, Rolling Stone had a top one hundred TV theme songs. Really? So Laverne and Shirley only makes thirty-six. I bet you I can guess number one. All right, hold on a second. Hold on. It's my turn finally. Um, it's not all about you, Scott. Yeah. Okay. So let's look. Let's do an add up of the scores. All right. So, um, so where's Happy Days at? All right. One sec. Do Control F on that one. Fez, I was impressed with yours. The, the Hill Street Blue. That was horrible. Whoever. That's going to be on the list. No chance. Oh yeah, absolutely. I, if there was four hundred listed, maybe it'll make the top hundred. Funny Hill Street Blues number twenty seven. Oh my gosh. Happy Days not listed. Interesting. Wow, so he was doing like motion with his beat. eyes, and then he, then he said, oh, okay. All right, so what about, um, what was yours again? Fresh Prince. Okay, that's got to be high, high, high. 
Number, number seven. seven. Wow. Oh. And then I had Brady Bunch. That's got to be high or even. Number, number two. Two. Oh. What, what, they have a tie between that and Gilligan's three Island. Hours so we'll call tour. it 2.5. <laughs> All right. And then I had uh, Friends. That, if it's one, I'm I'm never re-enrolling. All right, thank God. What number eight? Eight. That's too high. That's too high. So I got two, seven, and eight. I'm feeling pretty good. That's awesome. <laughs> so McKay, what was yours? Uh, number, tw- uh, I got it right here. Number twenty-five, Succession. Number thirty-six, Laverne and Shirley. I'm surprised Succession was in there. So I mean, congrats. Did on Hawaii Five O make it? No, I hope not. It's number, number 12. 12. Wow. Nice one, I think it was the visual. All right. Oh, no doubt. This isn't my answer, but. <laughs> so it's Slash doing the Godfather theme. <laughs> but oh, no. he's in that commercial. Huh? Where they're trying out for a band. Slashes from yeah, he is. That's funny, yeah. Yeah, and then, and then and and then he kicks he kicks button. All the other people that are like going to rehearse, they're like, "No, you're we're good. <laughs> we're going with Slash." <laughs> yeah, that's pretty. Good. I haven't seen you see a lot of commercials, Faz. It's only for sporting events. Uh, well, I mean that's a lot. Um, I think mine's the best. I mean, I'll just say it like that. I could act like I, I don't, but now now listen. This isn't my favorite, but we got to do it for Faz. Let's see. <laughs> a little Alfonso Ribeiro and Ricky Schroeder. <laughs> uh, you're on it, man. You're on it. All right. Mine is, and I'll just do it a cappello. Moving on up. Moving on to the side. Number, Number one, baby. be number one i actually didn't think it would be that's awesome that's wow I mean, it is so good it is it's so, classic yes now where's blossom that's the question <laughs> yeah, on the list. if blossom's on on this list and hawaii 5 is good times is going to be top 10 all right let's see here not on the list good times fucker huh oh <laughs> by the way uh blossom theme song written by the same guy who made hill street blues apparently well, let's just say one was good and one wasn't. And the greatest American hero. That's yeah. I mean, that is. Oh, yeah. Come oh, that on. Was bad. Timeless. Like, he would run and jump and fall in the mud, I remember. I hated that. Well, come show. on, George. No, Robert Culp made, George was made great. the answering machine, you know. Wasn't it Robert Culp was like the. Well, you had a lonely childhood day. You were locked in that room. <laughs> the, the now, I'm actually impressed with the knowledge. Were you around Columbo and McLeod? Was that was before? Nah, I was. I don't the remember CBS that. Saturday movie. The, like that was awesome. Again, others, that, others, that made, others that made my list uh, <laughs> as far as in the same category as Brady Bunch that and, and that described the show. It would be Facts of Life. Oh, you take right. the good, you take the yeah. bad, you take them both in there. Describes the show. Uh, you said Cheers was sappy, but I think um, the Who's the Boss theme song. Oh, I don't even remember. Brand New Life, Around the Bend. That was that was okay. a classic one. Well, I like Tony, though. He was, he was, I tell you, he Incredible, incredible softball scene in, in the opening montage of he him diving foot, into home plate. He you was know? five foot four, too. I mean, that, <laughs> well, I tell you, I listen to You know, he was, he was a professional boxer. And I had a uh, phantom or featherweight. And Good I had, friends with Tupac Shakur, Danza. I had a volley. Oh, really, I had a, a, a volleyball team in high school. We called ourselves the Fighting Tony Danzas. That's interesting. And our logo was the Notre Dame Fighting Irish logo with Tony Danza's head on it. <laughs> 
Too much. T- I mean, I don't even know what to think about all this. I kind of think I would have thought it was cool. I can't lie. I don't like that fact. I, just, I think I still have the shirt somewhere. I don't like that fact, but I, it's true. But Kaji, what do you think of me getting the number one? Come I on. I mean, you're hitting pretty strong at 1.0 average. Here. I'm just keeping it there. Well, I guess I, I guess unranked. I don't know what that one for the Blossom one. But um, the thing I actually listened to that recently when I was talking about it, and the great thing about it. Is when he goes, you know, it's oh, the lady says, moving on up to the east side. But then it goes, but in the second verse, when he when she goes to the east side, it's like she hits that east side like I've never quite heard anything before. And it's just and then you think about the whole idea that it was a spin-off of all in the family. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And the idea that that was them driving away from Archie. You know, so I mean it, it's very powerful. Some would say it's the greatest spin-off show of all time. I think it is. Well, you know, I'm not sure. Laverne Maud, and Shirley. Maud. Frazier. <laughs> Mark and Mindy. Frazier sucked. I hated <laughs> Frazier. The Simpsons did the best takedown of Frazier ever. <laughs> right? Have you ever seen this? Where where they have him in, on TV, right? Yeah. So it's on the cartoon TV, and they're going, when indubitably the superfluous, blah, blah, you know, a bunch of big yeah, words. Yeah. Yeah. And Bart goes, this is a smart show. <laughs> <Yeah>. At least... <laughs> I mean, it was just like, bow. I, mean, I don't know. I didn't like it. The, the, the dad was interesting. I hardly watched it, but the dad, you could, he had something going on. Wasn't he the dad in the movie Ed Burns did, the uh, brothers? Uh, you ever see uh, the brothers McMullen? No, nah, I never watched it. No. Okay, that was a good one. All I like right. Eddie Burns. All right. Hey, but what's that, from drama? <laughs> yeah. He's doing a big commercial. I hear him on these commercials on YouTube all the time. His voiceover, I can't remember what it's for. But anyway, that was a fun little sidelight. Okay, we're back, and that was fun. Now, Fez. Uh, You you have to let me do my one Rocky that has to relate to the punchiness. All right, here we go. Okay. In the morning, I splash it on, and it makes me smell mainly. Okay, Rocky 2. When he's struggling with the commercial and he's in the caveman outfit. Yes. Oh, ha, 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 ha. Just read it off the dummy cards. <laughs> Best take is out. That was strong. It's not about how hard you hit. It's about how hard you get hit and still get up. Rocky Balboa talking to his son outside of Adrian's. Hey. Hey. Let's be careful out there. Talk to you next week.